Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go with a great sports cage coming to you live from the Canadian Brew House, not in Regina, but in Stonebridge off of Preston here in Saskatoon. I want to thank Anthony and the regional manager, Mitch Fisher, who is a Regina guy, for um, inviting us down here. And we are uh, in the upper deck here, getting ready to watch some Major League Baseball Blue Jay style Royals and the Padres on right now. <laughs> what a disaster. My team is losing to Kansas City one to nothing. Yeah. So we got some Major League Baseball on down here. And we'll get into some of the things going down uh, this weekend at the Canadian Brew House if you're coming into town to watch the green and white game. Of course, I'm broadcasting live from Saskatoon because, as you know, we're at Rider Training Camp where they release 10 players. Uh, in the wee morning hours, and we found out about them this morning. Now, the guys who are uh, name-worthy, and not to say everybody isn't worthy, but the ones you might know, Levi Lewis, left-handed quarterback, number 10 was released, also released Canadian safety Jordan Beaulieu. Talk about that in a second. David Kenny, who was a lineman who kind of popped a bit last year, hung around on the practice roster, played in a couple of regular season games. He was released, and so was Cooper Richardson, the right tackle, sometimes left tackle, who had some good moments with the Riders last year, not so great moments, couldn't make the first round of cuts. I know in the competitive drill yesterday, he kind of got mowed over a couple of times, and maybe that sealed his fate, but number 66, Cooper Richardson, is no more with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and of course, big stories in Alberta and Saskatchewan, even B.C., further west wildfire action and uh, Alberta it's really bad Saskatchewan we have I think uh, five ones of major concern 25 in all at least last I heard um, and of course as you know down in Regina in that area the air quality not great it's not great here in Saskatoon either and it's amazing how the temperature just went from like 31 degrees Celsius yesterday to last night it just dropped to like 17 and it's very chilly today but there is smoke in the air and we had to move indoors to the Saskatoon Toon Soccer Center, and uh, right by St. Joe's High School, and uh, yeah, they went through their paces. Uh, some pretty competitive uh, pass skelly drills, which always favors the offense. I had a nice chance to sit with Luke Mollander, who's going to join us a little later on, and uh, former rider great Jeff Fairholm, uh, Fairholm, pardon me, who will join us. Uh, tomorrow on the show, and just talking about those two guys are old school, talking about how, how they could play another 10 years if they went through a camp like this. No two-a-days, a lot of stretching, a lot of downtime, uh, more teaching. Uh, of course, the riders taking a uh, kind of wait-and-see approach. Well, wait and see is the wrong way to put it. A slower ramp up, I guess, to their first preseason game, which is May the 22nd. Hey, you can weigh in on the show, ask any question you want. We can talk about any type of sports, but CFL top of mind right now. 936-6262 is our text line, and it's powered by our friends of the Capital Auto Group. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Now, uh, I did have a chance, and it's great that TSN is picking up the... um, CHL playoffs saw the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, whip the Winnipeg Ice yesterday, six to three. They're up two games to one. Those teams get right back at it uh, in Game Four tonight in Seattle. 
Uh, the Centennial Cup in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, uh, 3-0-1 are the uh, Battleford North Stars, and they're assured of at least a quarterfinal uh, matchup, but uh, depending on things shake down tonight with Portage, they could be into the uh, the semis right away. So uh, we will uh, see what happens there. We do have some um, news, though. The National Junior A Coach of the Year is Braden Klamasco of the Battleford Stars, as he was awarded that today in the ceremonies in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. So congratulations going out to uh, a friend of the show, Braden Klamasco, CHL Coach of the Year as the Battleford Stars, a juggernaut in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League and representing our league real well. In fact, I'm wearing my nice uh, long sleeve shirt I got from Kyle McIntyre, the commissioner today down at the Brew House here in Stonebridge in Saskatoon. Major League Baseball, like I mentioned, the... Um, San Diego Padres t- uh, trailing the Kansas City Royals in San Diego in the fourth, and that would be one to nothing. Uh, we have the Twins taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers, just getting the scores pulled up here, and it's a 2-2 score in the top of the seventh there uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, it's the Athletics taking on the Diamondbacks, Arizona surprise team early. They're up 3 nothing against the lowly Athletics, bottom of the sixth. Got the Giants topping the Phillies right now, and that's... Um, 4-3 in the bottom of the fourth. And still to come tonight, the Jays are going to try to get back on the winning, uh, or in the win column, pardon me, against the Yankees. They lost yesterday 6-3, to a mammoth blast by Aaron Judge. Didn't look like he was stealing any signs. He just got in the box and smoked one off of our friend Eric Swanson 448 feet away. It was a mammoth blast. They went on to win that game 6-3. to They've taken the first two in the series versus the Jays. NBA East final tips off tonight in Boston. Boston against the Celtics, or uh, Boston against the Heat. The Celtics are heavily favored, but Zinger's already said he expects the Heat to win that thing. As San Antonio Spurs won the NBA draft uh, lottery. Zinger, I want to ask you, should the NFL have a draft lottery like the NHL and the uh, and the NBA? Mm, Would avoid yeah, tanking. Yeah. Would avoid tanking. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't really have an opinion one way or another. I guess I try mean, it out. They, I think they should do what I said, and be- between the uh, the uh, conference championships and the Super Bowl, instead of playing the uh, the, the Pro Bowl, they should have that loser game. Somewhere. I don't think that would work. I don't think that would work. Why? Why? Because I don't think players will get motivated to play that type of game, even if they're getting paid some type really? of money. So, so I give Sean Kleisinger $35,000 for the winning team and 20000 for the losing team. That won't motivate you in a chance. I know I know. for guys on the roster, it doesn't mean that you're going to be playing with that number one pick the next year, but you don't think that would be a meaningful, get better than the Pro Bowl? Mm, it, it would be a little better. It, would, it wouldn't be Pro Bowl quality, but I just... Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't know until you watch it. I just don't. Th- I don't feel like it would work. To be honest mm-hmm. with you. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're honest with me. Yeah. Thanks for being honest. I'm, with I'm me, an honest man. I'm not going to lie to you, Ballsy. Okay. That's what I, I want. I think it would work. I think it's something they should look at. So there. Yeah. Hey. Um, We've got a lot of great interviews coming up here, and coming up uh, soon we're going to hear from Ben Wagner, Toronto Blue Jays radio voice. But let us get to an interview I did today uh, in a group setting with uh, returning linebacker Micah Tights, who's coming off an injury uh, injury plague season last year where he didn't see the field. So uh, let's catch up with Micah.
Oh, it feels great. It's uh, nice to get uh, out with the guys again, and just uh, feels good to be back doing what I love to do. Yeah, no, it feels uh, it feels great to just have the opportunity again to, you know, finish uh, where I left off in the 21 season. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know Darnell was a great player and uh, you know a good guy in the locker room, so we're gonna miss him. But uh, you know we're not gonna skip a beat for sure. How mentally tough was it for you the last uh, little while? Oh man, it was. It's been it's been a journey for sure. Like definitely um, kind of first time in my football career since I've been a kid where I've had a you know a significant uh, injury that took me out for a significant amount of time so it was tough and then last year just trying to you know I never went home so I just you know I like to stick around in the meeting I'm a football guy so I like uh, I like the meetings even when I'm not involved in them yeah, and so uh, but how how is it to kind of be back uh, what does that feel like mentally and physically you kind of taking it slow just to kind of work yourself back yeah, in no, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm running around like you know trying to it's just uh, the the mental game is definitely the the harder part, but you know, I've been in the system for so long. Uh, Coach Shad and Coach Melvin have been working to get me right uh, just these past few days. So, you know, as the camp progresses, I think uh, it'll be nice to you know get my chemistry with Larry uh, going on a really high level. So, I think we'll uh, we'll be a really good duo. What kind of words of wisdom will you have for a young guy like a Matt Dean, a draft pick? You were there once. Yeah, man. Just try to just try to flash uh, at all times when you're on the field and in in the game film like even if you're not involved in the play if you're sprinting really fast on the field the coaches take notice and uh you know that's uh you know maybe if you're not always involved in the play you can you can still find a way to get in there mm-hmm. you had a lot of swagger the year that you you popped uh, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about let's rewind back there I, i'm hoping to see some of the same swagger this year yeah for sure you know i'm looking forward to it i uh that was kind of my breakout year in the cfl i knew, always knew i had it even the first uh, few years when i was just playing on the teams and stuff like that i would get in a few snaps a game on defense and but yeah no i'm just looking to continue off that and i'm not uh, i'm not the biggest raw 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 guy but uh you know uh it's fun to make plays on the on the field and talk about lining up next to larry dean uh, what an inspiration uh, you know uh, yeah. comes in last year and that was an unbelievable story for sure yeah that was that was honestly it was amazing to see um it was a disappointing that that uh, first year i never got to play with him but now uh you know it's uh it's my time to go i've played with some some great linebackers in saskatchewan uh probably the best one of all time solomon so i mean it was cool to i got my first start ever with him and now i'm going up with another legend so it's you know it's always making my job easy that way it's kind of a long time coming because first year he suffers the achilles injury out for yeah the year. next year you're out for the year so yeah exactly nice. they wanted to make this matchup a little while ago this uh this combo a little while ago but yeah now we've come full circle and i'm now looking forward to working with him what's it like having that uh that guy micah johnson back his biceps have their own area code that makes a linebacker job a little easier yeah it's, it's a problem when he's standing straight up though at, uh, before he gets in his stance I can't I got to be peeking over his head like that but no he's awesome to have Lanier all the D linemen Banks is looking good Pete I I can never say enough good things about those guys they make our job super easy so it's good and behind you what do you think of the young uh, the young guys the young Canadians playing safety oh yeah I love love to see it uh, Dalkey's looking good uh, the new guy Jackson Ford he's he's looking real good for a young guy coming in I was a bit like a uh, bit more sheepish than he was in my first year so he's taken uh taking it by the horns here so he's looking good i think the ford last name helps out oh yeah for sure yeah i i know he's going to be a popular one already and it's uh it's really good to have him what i love to see is up the middle like you got tights and then behind tights you got three other can west guys lacombo ford and of course dulkey exactly i i i'm a big canada west guy i i like to give it to the oua guys uh 
Everyone knows what the best conference in the in Canada is, and it's Canada West. Let's so, do yeah. one more. Lake Corte Moore, what have you seen from that young draft pick? Oh, he's a great player. He's got a great motor. He's a big, big kid. I didn't know he was that big until I met him for the first time. So it's nice to have uh, just good Canadians everywhere. Nick Daly's playing really well as well. He's doing his thing. He had a kind of a similar injury to me last year, so it's nice to have him back as well. He's got a great motor. Canadians and quarterbacks. It's how you win in this league. Talk for about sure. your new quarterback, kind of the leader of this team. Yeah, Trevor, I haven't got to talk to him too much. We've just, uh, you know, just we've seen each other on the field a few times before. So we were just, uh, you know, uh, briefly speaking. But, yeah, he's he's doing a great job. The offense looks great this year. They're fast. They're running great concepts. Coach Kelly has uh, done a good job so far with them. And they're keeping us on our toes this year on defense. So it's just making us better. Everybody knows the regime here is a little bit of pressure. They got to win there in the last oh, yeah. years of their contract. Have you noticed anything different in training camp from messaging or just demeanor? Yeah, we're just trying to make, you know, just a great, great culture this year in the in the locker room. Uh, Coach Dickey uh, spoke on it a bit at the beginning. He said that, you know, he's often been on teams that didn't have the most talent, but they're the closest and closest together, have the best culture, and they tend to go the farthest. So I think uh, they're doing a really good job in that. And, uh, yeah, Coach Dickey's got, um, you know, just a great message this year for the team. Yeah, no, he uh, he does a great job. Will Linebacker is uh, in the Canadian football. It's you know it's it's one of the tougher positions on the defense because it's you got a lot of field. The quarterbacks are constantly looking at you to you know make their throws and everything like that. So you know you got to be on your toes for sure, but it gives you the opportunity to make a, a ton of plays out there. So it's it's nice that they have the confidence to put me there. And it's your first time uh, playing with the hash mark change. So just talk about that. Has that affected how you play? You know what, honestly. Honestly, not not too much. It's a little bit different. Like honestly, it's the the hardest thing is when you're just watching game film and you're like, oh man, the ball is so. It's hard to, to call out the strengths right away, but uh, it it honestly hasn't affected me too much. It's just maybe a one more step outside to start, and then maybe an extra step back when I'm dropping into my coverage. So. It's a bit more, but you'll know, have to see it when it, uh, when it comes to live reps and stuff like that. What about the Guardian cap, the, the new Guardian cap? Yeah, no, we haven't, uh, we haven't been hitting when it's on, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're cool, I guess. I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure if they do that much, but uh, it's nice to, uh, that they're looking out for our safety. They're always trying to protect the players. Do you see one day where they logo those up and you actually wear them in a game? I mean, it might sound ridiculous, but we've seen a lot of no, changes in sure. football. Yeah, I think, it, I think something like that might be coming uh, like on the horizon. I don't uh, – I'm – I might be uh, old school, not PC when I say this, but you know, you always like the the crack of the game and uh, everything like that. Safety first, always, but uh, you know, I'd like to like to hear the cracks still and well, everything. I'm, gr- I'm glad you brought that up because I think we have probably made the game as safe as we can make it. Like I, the XFLs changed the rules with kickoffs. I like what we do in the CFL. Oh man, that's how I that's how I made my hay in my first couple of years. Yeah. Uh, just running down on kickoff, Coach Dickey sends us starts us back 20 yards and. You know, the squad is moving. You don't want to be on the kickoff return team. That's all I'm saying. And the riders are coming down. So, yeah, I, I like how we do it in Canada, and I hope that it's here to stay for sure. Really looking forward to seeing what Micah Tights can do this year. Great to see him back on the field ready to compete. When we come back, we'll head to a field of a different kind. It's the baseball diamond around the horn with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, coming to you live from the Canadian Brew House in Stonebridge area of Saskatoon off of Preston. If you could pick up her signal, and I know you can, come in and say hi. I might have something for you. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back here to the uh, Sports Cage Live from the Canadian Brew House at Stonebridge in Saskatoon. Uh, Jasmine's helped me out here, doing a great job. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, getting ready to watch some Blue Jays baseball. Who we got it on replay on Sportsnet. And let's go to the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. That would be Ben Wagner. There's lots to talk about in this series, isn't there, Ben? What do you mean? Was there any drama? Was there any pointing? <laughs> Were there any chirps? There have been Crazy, no shortage man. of talking points. Hey, uh, Ben, what do you make of that whole uh, from two nights ago when Judge was looking up and looking down? And what, what did you make of that whole thing? Listen, uh, I've worked in professional baseball for two decades where there have been every advantage, every opportunity from guys that are on the fringes of career to established veterans or, you know, hotshot rookie prospects. Um, Everybody is looking for an advantage on the field. And there are organizations in Major League Baseball that are obsessed with finding each and every advantage from a technological standpoint, from an on-field standpoint. It goes beyond the scouts, you know, that are looking for tips and trends in the seats. There are literally organizations that hire specific people in baseball operations that do data dives, they dive into algorithms, they look at the video, and they become obsessed with it. And that doesn't mean they're in the ballpark either. If it's, if it's Organization X, and I'm not going to single anybody out here, if it's Organization X, wherever their franchise is based, all those people are in some sort of hub of activity, and they are burning CPUs up one at a time, looking to give their team a certain advantage. Um, and, and listen... Let's be honest, Monday night was no exception. Uh, The Blue Jays have known it not only for Monday night, Blue Jays have known about a number of teams in Major League Baseball that are really, really good at finding certain advantages in certain situations. And for years, they have known that the New York Yankees are one of those very, very good clubs, both in the dugout and operationally at doing so. So they thought that maybe it was taking advantage, and they caught them doing it in the heat of the moment. And what made the biggest difference And this is a credit to the medium. What made the biggest difference is that we all watched it happen live. It wasn't wasn't hearsay, and it became a viral sensation when when Dan and Buck brought it up. That's a good point. Uh, Ben, uh, okay, so that's one thing, okay? And I distinctively remember about three weeks ago, I was driving down to North Dakota to visit my son, and I had the Twins baseball game on with our friend Corey Provis, and at that time, Domenico Herman was questioned about some sort of substance he had going to the dugout. Then he came back on the field. They let him to. Uh, they let him continue to play. The exact same thing in Toronto with the exact same official umpiring crew, and he gets busted. Like, I'm sorry, not going to put words in your mouth. These are my words. How dumb can you be? Well. Uh, <laughs> there's some there's some runway left apparently on how, on stupidity, right? Uh, I, 
I couldn't believe it when I saw it. And exactly. I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. He was in Minnesota. He got stopped coming off the field. Uh, and you, one, one particular detail here, the reason that he was allowed to come back on the field is because he washed off and cleaned off his hands. So that was the major. And and and, and, major and Ben and, and Ben, they also they also used. Sorry for cutting you off, but they also used the excuse that he needed a translator and maybe something got lost in translation. Well, guess what? Nothing got lost in translation. Uh, translation this time. There was stuff on his pants. Yeah, yeah, it was visible. Um, in this situation, you know, he was stopped coming back onto the field, which. Which is different. The umpires can do that. They can stop you walking off. They can stop you coming onto the field and check for the sticky stuff. Uh, I know this. Talking with some Yankee personnel over the last, you know, twenty no, not twenty four hours, twenty hours. Uh, there are people in that clubhouse that were not too pleased about that because, again, it brought the light in in the aftermath and the rollout of the Yankees being pointed out for cheating, for trying to come up with certain advantages. And then their starting pitcher didn't get the memo that the same crew was working. And, oh, by the way, you better tone it down in this situation because we don't need this outside noise. And what does he do? I mean, he threw a blowtorch onto this, onto this subject. Are the New York Yankees, you know, one of the more egregious offenders of trying to bend and break or play within some very, very, very gray areas of rule interpretation? Yeah, for sure. Hey, Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays, joining us for a few more minutes before he's got to get ready to call the game tonight. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero got taken out of the game. What can you tell us about that? Well, the good news is that the MRI came back, showed no structural damage on the right knee of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He tweaked it a little bit, trying to come in and, and cover a bunt. This is the same little tweak that he had in spring training and kept him out of the lineup in spring training. Now, don't freak out when I say he missed 12 days. We're talking about spring training in Dunedin and a 45-day marathon that is spring training and a ramp-up. Uh, I don't perceive Vladimir Guerrero Jr. even missing a fraction of that time. If he comes to the ballpark today and he tells John Schneider he's 100%, there is an outside, very slim, but an outside possibility that Vladdy gets a pinch hit opportunity tonight. I would expect, though, a couple of days down for Vladdy just to make sure that knee rests, they can give it some more tests, they can provide more treatment. But the good news is all the medical data that was taken last night and this morning came back. Nothing structural, just a little bit of a tweak for Vlad's name. Okay, Ben, just a couple of comments quickly, and then I'll let you go about these sure. pictures. Gosman continues to look solid. Swanson's a little off here. Let's talk about those two. Oh, you're talking about Gosman and Alec Manoa? No, I'm talking. Sorry, no, I'm talking Swanson lately. Like it's he, oh, it's he was he was rolling, and then he gave up the big homer yesterday. It just seems to be a little off balance for him. Yeah, it was a bad outing. Um, you know what? Not everybody is 100. percent And I was asking in the clubhouse about pitch selection and the sequencing, and the Blue Jays would have approached that situation just a little bit differently. You, you know, you you talk to Eric Swanson, he's going to own it. He he owns the situation. He said, "Hey, I'm the guy." It's not about sequencing and pitch calling. I'm the guy that hung it right over the middle of the plate to an imposing batter. And so far, you know, the game's greatest slugger right now in professional baseball, Aaron Judge, and what he's been able to do to baseballs since coming off the injured list. Uh, Swanson just had, a, had an off day. He made one bad pitch, and it was a big pitch in a big moment, and Aaron Judge capitalized on it. Kevin Gosling's been outstanding. He, he should be solely in the conversation for the American League Cy Young Award. Maybe you could say Nathan Evaldi as well 
in that conversation. But those two guys are absolutely electric. Uh, there's no doubt Gosman is worth every penny that he that he's being paid to be the, the leader of this Blue Jays rotation right now. And unfortunately, last couple of times out, the Blue Jays have just dropped really good pitching performances that Gosman has turned in. And you know, sometimes the offense doesn't show, and the bullpen picks them up. Other times, the bullpen lets them down, even when the offense is there. But uh, this is still a very, very good Blue Jays team, although they do have some some holes and they've got some misses, uh, you know, over the course of 162. But um, I, you know, I think that the Blue Jays did not certainly lose lose any trust in Eric Swanson with last night's outing. Uh, in fact, I talked with John Schneider a long time on Sunday morning. It was Sunday morning, um, and and he was raving about the kind of guy and better than advertised than what Eric Swanson uh, has been for the Blue Jays. And the re- and he's going to be part of the success going down the stretch. All right, man. Well, hopefully when we talk again, because we're out of time, we're talking about Manoa turning things around because it's been uh, not so good uh, right now, but, uh, you know, it's a long season. Thanks for your time, Ben. Have a good call tonight. My pleasure. Enjoy the baseball game. That is Ben Wagner, radio voice for the Toronto Blue Jays around the horn. When we come back to the Canadian Brew House here in Stonebridge in Saskatoon, we'll have some more Rough Rider talk here from Coach Craig Dickinson about the cuts and the practice today indoors. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM presents the Regina Police Service Veteran Show and Shine Sunday, June 4th in front of the police station on Olsler Street. And it's not just a car show. This free family event has something for everyone, including a performance by the School of Rock, a special presentation by the Regina SWAT team, plus prizes and giveaways. All proceeds go to the Salvation Army. Don't miss the Regina Police Service Veteran Show and Shine presented by 620 CKRM. 335 with your sports ticker. And yes, the Toronto Blue Jays getting set to take on the New York Yankees. It's game three out of four. Big four-game series at the Rogers Center. And uh, Chris Bassett gets the start on the hill for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight. And it's going to be a tough game because on the other side, Garrett Cole will be uh, <laughs> taking them out. He's 5-0. and so far this year with a 2.22 ERA, so it's going to be a tough night for the Blue Jay hitters, but uh, hopefully they can get things turned around. NHL, another off day, but tomorrow will be the day the Eastern Conference Final goes tomorrow. It will be a 6 p.m. puck drop between the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. We're sitting courtside to bring you the latest on professional basketball in Saskatchewan. This is your Rattlers Report. Saskatchewan Rattlers announced this week their 2023 training camp roster and they will get the work started on Tuesday, May 23rd, so less than one week away on the University of Saskatchewan campus. And the final day of training camp will be open to the public as well with free admission at Sastel Center from 11 a.m. until noon on Tuesday, May 30th. And the Rattlers added an exciting piece to their roster, Drake Jeffries. Jeffries signed a 10-day contract with the Orlando Magic in 2022 which led to him playing on their G League team. He played 25 out of the 32-game season with the G League squad, including a professional career.
career high 24 points on November 11th. So exciting indeed. Jeffrey spent two seasons in the NCAA at the University of Wyoming. And the Rattler season opener is scheduled for May 31st. And single game tickets are now on sale. Individual game tickets range from $30 in the bronze section to $90 for seating in the courtside row two. Three game bundles start at $28 per seat in the bronze section. Half season five packs start at $35 per seat. And season tickets include 10 regular season games and one playoff game starting at $33 a seat. And all tickets can be purchased through the Rattlers front office 306-244-2181 or simply on Ticketmaster.ca. Saskatchewan Rough Riders training camp is on, and we're live in Saskatoon. Back to the cage with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. And thanks to the Canadian Brewhouse, they're a sponsor of ours in Regina, obviously, but uh, they're friends here in Saskatoon, too. Uh, Anthony Uzwa inviting us down here. Mitch Fisher as well. Like to thank them for having us on location. Uh, better than doing it from a hotel lobby, no doubt about it. Get ready for the Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. 620C Carom signal carries right in here to the Bridge City. So if you're listening to this, stop on in, come to the upper level, find me. I got something for you. I got something for you, okay? Courtesy of the great staff here at the Canadian Brew House. On, uh, on Saturday, if you're coming in for the green and white game, they have the Hangover Caesars. Coors Light, they got the shots of Jack Daniel on special, Sangrias, uh, and they've always got their ribeye on Saturday. And other great things we'll get to, all right? So uh, yesterday was the first cut-down day for uh, CFL teams. Had to get down to 75 players. We'll review the cuts in a minute, but let's hear from Coach Craig Dickinson today after practice. Yeah, uh, we had to do it. You know, we uh, checked the weather last night, and you could see the smoke moved in, and then this morning it was the same. So... Uh, really, you know, I want to give props to our equipment staff, training staff, and our football ops. They were able to get us into that facility really on a, on a moment's notice, and it was a good day. The guys practiced well. It's a nice facility, and we got got what we needed to. Even how around. crucial every day is during training camp, though. <laughs> what kind of adjustments and that was we we had we knew uh, Britt last night. We kind of knew this was coming, so I made an alternative schedule. And we just use that one. And what we'll do tomorrow is hopefully uh, back on the field, we'll just get back into our regular stuff. But we got we got a lot of good work in today. It's the usually it's the players' association that that recommends it, but we always follow the rules. I mean, the reality is that the it it was so smoky, it was obvious we weren't going to be able to practice outside. So we want to make sure that again, my first job is to take care of the players, and uh, we wanted to make sure and do that by going inside today. Going back to last night's, uh, I guess, roster moves, uh, I guess the most notable name, Cooper Richardson, just to get your thoughts about that. Yeah, it was a tough a tough cut. He's He's been a good player for us and a good, just a good teammate. But we just felt like, you know, we, we've got a little better in camp and we, we want to give these new guys a, a look in the preseason. And, uh, you know, we worked hard this offseason to upgrade, and I think that's one of the one of the evidences of that. And Jordan Bolu uh, is just an example of the three guys you got ahead of them? Yeah, you know, we drafted Jackson and he's had a good camp and same same argument there. We tried to get better at all positions this offseason. I think we did and because of that you saw a couple veterans go. Great yeah, they're a, they're a kind of a goofy looking thing, aren't they? I mean, but they're really, they're really good. I mean, I've read the research on them. I think they reduce can concussions by a significant amount especially if both players are wearing them 
And I think, again, we want to walk the walk. So when we say we care about players and player safety, we want to do everything we can to make sure we're following that. D-Lion's a good group, yeah. Uh, their coach is actually kind of a quiet guy, but, boy, he gets them moving. Um, D-Line is um, one of our strengths right now. Well, hopefully that continues. Pete's uh, he's been here three years now. He knows how we do things, and he's he's uh, he's one of our leaders. I'm talking with Larry Dean today, Coach. Just your thoughts on, on him, of course, being one, one of, of my favorite on guys. Yeah, just just an all-around great great person, fantastic football player, has immediate respect from the team, and that's when you know he's he's pretty special. He. He doesn't say much, but when he talks, people listen. Right from like the I'll use his words at, at the award center last or award ceremony last year. He says, "Coach, I'm just different," and he's just different. He's different in terms of special. He brings something that other guys don't. Um, we got to keep him healthy. You know, he's he's really um, explosive athlete and, and a fantastic player, and we got to make sure we keep him healthy. But we feel like he's. He's a weapon, and we're going to try to give him the ball as many ways as we can. Yeah, Coach Jeffrey's being very creative and moving him around. He's got a lot of touches this camp, so uh, he looks good so far, and we're going to try to, like I said, get the ball in his hands as much as possible. So is the plan to put pads on tomorrow? Yeah, we're planning on going back to our padded practice tomorrow and, and have it out here and and, and stress them a little bit. We, we need to get our legs our legs right, and the only way you do that is by playing football, so we're going to push him a little bit tomorrow. Any update with Tucker? No, haven't heard anything from him. I'll let you know when I know. Does it ever get any easier as a coach to release players? You're dealing with people, good people. No, it doesn't. You learn how to do it, Rob, a little more thoughtfully. Um, I think when you're young, you, you don't know quite what to say, so you say too much. Uh, I, think, I think you learn to do it a little bit more uh, thoughtfully and with respect, but it doesn't get any easier because these, these men have worked really hard to get where they're at and it's it's tough news to hear all right uh thanks to coach craig dickinson uh, for his comments uh, talking about the uh, the smoke that rolled in here to saskatoon it's rolled in uh to many parts of saskatchewan uh, zinger i don't know if um i'm not in regina but you said it's hanging in downtown regina that smoke um i have no breathing problems but if you have breathing problems, I sympathize. But can you imagine? Like, it's hard to breathe right now when you don't have breathing problems. Imagine being near, closer to the areas of those fires. No, and fighting I, the, and fighting those fires. Too. I know. It's for me. Like, I'm whining about my eyes being itchy. That's the only thing that I'm. Uh, that's bothering me. Like, when I walk outside and my eyes get really itchy. I don't know. Obviously, it's from the smoke. But for some reason, it's really lingering around downtown here. Obviously, I think it's because of uh, the buildings. This is getting trapped so uh if you're in the downtown area if there's a time to wear a mask now would be the time yeah that's that's true um in terms of the cuts the big names that were cut levi lewis the quarterback cooper richardson the offensive lineman who was here last year uh jordan Beaulieu, canadian safety that's an interesting one uh, luke really liked what he looked like early on here but um they obviously uh, released him so that they could give Jackson Ford their second-round pick more repetitions. Also, um, Jaden Dalkey and Nelson Lacombe, they try to figure out who their starting safety is going to be. Were you surprised by that one, or you get the mentality there? No, well, the one that I was surprised about was uh, Cooper Richardson, just because he played so many snaps last year at right tackle. But I guess it just goes to show they must be pretty confident in the depth that they have, which is a good thing at the end of the day, because they're not going to be cutting Cooper Richardson if they don't think they have uh, good guys 
behind them or in this case in front of them right so yeah. uh, I, I think I don't want to say it's a good thing that Cooper Richardson got cut but maybe down the road it is a good thing because that might speak to the talent that we have there in training camp for sure hey we got this text at nine three six sixty two sixty two for the capital auto group bottom three teams uh, have a lottery for the nfl draft i've been saying it for years would avoid any tanking if there was any questions uh zinger you didn't really have an opinion but uh, this anonymous texter did uh, believe that uh, there should be a uh, dra- uh, draft lottery in the nfl and i think so too to avoid uh tanking situations um and then uh, we got this uh text from our regular listener tc and medicine hat pretty faithful listener and a faithful rider fan he drives down to a lot of the games uh shout out to the rider organization for the extra effort put in this year as far as the videos interviews and additional player interaction big luke uh big luke's cart conversations is the freshest thing i've seen the rider media do in quite some time thanks everyone and let's go i agree we were talking about that zinger that that kitchen skit they did where <laughs> the guy's trying to get to the microwave and moncrief won't let him get by and then there was uh, brett lother uh pranking the rookies yep. and i talked to brett he, he thought it would have been a stupid idea he didn't really want to do it then he did it. he said man that was fun it went great <laughs> and then luke's a cart conversation so yeah, if you don't like know what it one, is yeah. mullinder is like um oh who's the english guy the james court is it court corbin Cor- Corbin, the the, the late the, the late show yeah Cor- one of those yeah, talk show guys yeah one of those one of those losers he did that carpool karaoke right yeah well Luke gets on a golf cart and picks up a random rider guy and drives around the campus with him and just talks life and his first one was Tevin Jones I don't know if he's done a second one but uh, yeah great job by Luke Mulder great job by Blake Tideman of the Rough Riders and uh, the Riders have really stepped up their social media game there's no doubt about that so kudos to them we're gonna going to take a break and hear from the center of attention of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber, coming over from the BC Lions. And I'll tell you a funny story about Godber uh, and just the fact that he is just, uh, he's amazed at uh, the fact people care so much about the Riders in Saskatchewan. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon for the Riders Training Camp, it's the Sports Cage with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. Got my uh, Sports Cage girls here, Kim and Zoe, they're here hanging out with me. It's awesome. They uh, helped me get set up down here at the Canadian Brew House. Now, the Canadian Brew House has a couple of locations in Regina, but we're at this great one, Stonebridge in Saskatoon, close to the area when you come in from Regina. So if you're coming in for the green and white game, you stop in here. they got lots of great things on Saturdays, like a ribeye special, hangover Caesars, Coors Light, and... Uh, Shots of Jack, too, and some sangria. So come check them out on Saturday if you're coming in for the green and white um, game uh, played at the Saskatoon Minor football field. All right, uh, before I get to Peter Godbra, I was talking to him today uh, before our own Blaine Wyland interviewed him, and he was talking about how in all his time in BC, he was maybe asked for three media interviews, and uh, he's been asked for three media interviews this week alone. He's like, this is crazy. He goes, Nathan Rourke could walk downtown, and even in his great year, not really get approached by the uh, by any fans in Vancouver. And he said, I went to the grocery store, and somebody said to me, hey, you're a rider? Yes, I am. 
boy, that offensive line sucks. And Peter said, yep, they sure do. And he kept on walking. So that's pretty funny. Uh, let's hear from Peter Godberg. All right, Peter. Well, just your thoughts about uh, the first few days of practice here. Man, it's been uh, it's been great. You know, getting to new, uh, know the new players, uh, the new coaches for me, and uh, learning this new system. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Of course, obviously, when you signed with the Rough Riders, a lot of people were talking about that you're going to be replacing Dan Clark. And I know you have a lot of respect for him, but are you ready now to show what Peter Godber can offer to the Rough Riders? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Dan Clark's a great player. He's a legendary player. He's played 130 games in our league, which is uh, an incredible feat. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm focused on Peter Godber. I'm focused on showing everyone what I could do as a center and playing physical football here. Just talk about building first chemistry with the rest of the old linemen, especially with a, a new look group that looks like it's only have one starter back. Right. Um, you know, it's it's easy because these guys are very hardworking. You know, they work their ass off. They they study really hard. Um, and a lot of these guys have played a long time in this league. You get on the list of Evan Johnson, Logan Furlan, obviously Philip Blake. Uh, you have a lot of starts. Uh, in that room right now, a lot of experience and a lot, a lot of very talented players. So it's easy for me to kind of fit in with those guys. As a center, do you feel like as kind of the leader of the offensive line? Well, as a center, you definitely have to be assertive and you definitely have to uh, step up and uh, and call the right plays and, and, and kind of read the defense and dissect the defense and kind of get everyone on the same page. But as far as leadership, uh, you know, we have a great room and we have a room full of leaders. So it's good. We all, you know, feed off each other and, and learn from each other. And can you talk about the chemistry that you're building up with with Trevor Harris? Uh, big, uh, big chemistry with Trevor Harris. We spent we spent some time together these last few weeks. We both went to Regina early. Uh, you know, we had a long car ride from Regina to Saskatoon and Saskatoon back. So we kind of got to know each other's stories and kind of uh, where we're from and kinda, that kind of stuff. So he, he's a great leader, uh, a great guy. And, you know. I just uh, I can't wait to hit the field week one with him. Was it a little disappointing you couldn't get the pads on today? Yeah, a little disappointing uh, for sure, you know, with this uh, the forest fire stuff. But, you know, just like our coach tells us, you got to adapt and improvise and overcome and whatever whatever we had. If it was a walkthrough today, if it was a practice, we got to go 100% in whatever we have. And, you know, the benefit of that, you know, we get the pads on tomorrow. So we'll, we'll, we'll just flip the days and it's, uh, it's adapt and o- overcome the situation. I'm curious, uh, just uh, you were in BC uh, the last couple of years. Uh, was there quite a few times where you guys had to get forced inside because of all the wildfires? Yeah, so we were in Kamloops in 2021 and uh, the forest fires there were very, very bad at the time. Uh, you know, when they said there was a forest fire here, I, I was like, what? What are, what are we talking about? Because, you know, I've seen Kamloops and that was, we were in the real thick of things and you really couldn't see a hundred yards away it was that smoky uh so we definitely had to adapt our uh, practice schedule there i know uh coach rick campbell took care of us he, he canceled some practices and, and stuff like that because it was it was pretty bad that year do you, do you have a place inside to go uh to go to so or we were in, to we were in kamloops so what we did is we had to do uh walk through or, or cancel it or you know, depending on the different days how bad it was we'd come out and mainly do team and special teams and then and then kind of cut off whatever extra stuff we had and, and kind of get in and get out um, to avoid being in that smoke for too long. Mm-hmm. just want to get your thoughts about uh, those Guardian hel- caps or helmets and just what's your thoughts about it? You know, it's interesting. I've never uh, never had one of these on before. It, uh, it definitely makes the blow a little softer. And uh, I heard one of the linemen say it's like having a pillow on your head. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different. Is it heavy at all? It's a little heavy. It's a little heavy. It's a little neck workout, but um, no, it's overall it's pretty good, and it definitely takes uh, a little bit of the the trauma away, a little bit of the force away.
a little later on, Luke Mulder will join us. I'll get his opinion, Zinger. But since I got you here, we kind of touched on this a, a while ago, um, like earlier in the off season. I, uh, and, I and you heard me ask Micah Tights this. What do you think of uh, the skull caps going forward as maybe once they refine them and streamline them as being the... Uh, the top of the helmet where they logo them up and that's how the players look. Well, as a sports geek, I don't like it because I like my shiny helmets. That's kind of what made me fall in love with football when I went to my first Ryder game, Labor Day 1996. I was sitting front row and it was just like surreal. I saw the shiny Ryder green, the shiny Blue Bomber helmets. At the time, they were wearing uh, blue helmets, the Blue Bombers. But anyways, so that part of me, it would, it would, it would take a shot to my ego to see that. But at the end of the day, it's not about me liking helmets if it's more safe then I'm all for it I don't want the game of football to die so if that means putting skull caps on or whatever they call uh, guardian caps on if that's what they need to do to keep the growth of football going forward I'm all for it but uh, I don't I don't, I don't really know. like it I don't know. I, I don't honest. like the look. I don't like the look of them uh, absolutely but I agree with what you just said thing is is I don't know how um like, imagine wearing that yesterday, like I said, 31 degrees Celsius on the turf, it's 41 degrees. I don't know if it's sustainable. That's the only thing, right? You can only make football so safe. Mm. No, the, imagine imagine playing in, like, a Texas-type heat, and that's basically what it's been like at training camp the first couple of days when it's been outside, right? So mm-hmm. I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's going to last, man. I, don't th- I think that's... That would bring up some more concerns as far as player safety, as far as like heat stroke and stuff. I mean, uh, it's good, it's Corey Stringer comes to mind, bad, the yeah. old Minnesota Viking back in the day. Yeah, when he collapsed and died. Uh, it, it uh, It's good, though, they're taking uh, player safety, um, uh, you know, they're taking it seriously, yeah, yeah. moving them in from smoky conditions, and then, of course, protecting their uh, their head, which is very important. By the way, my teams can't win anything. Like, are... Uh, it's 4-1 for the Royals over the Padres. The Padres spent more money than the GDP of, I don't know, pick a poor country, Libya. They spent more money on their roster than Libya has in 10 years, and they can't even get out of their own way. Hey, like, hey the Kansas City Royals, hey, yeah. they're 13-31. and 31. Shut up. Let's go to break. Let's go to break. <laughs> 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome back to the show live from the Stonebridge Canadian Brew House here in Saskatoon. When you come in from Regina, yeah, you turn like you're going on a circle drive and then up over the Preston overpass and you're right here into the little strip mall. Well, it's not a little strip mall. It's quite a quite a big... Saskatoon is the king of, like, strip malls, Luke Molliner. And Saskatoon kicks the hell out of, out of Regina in, like, a lot of categories. Um, yeah, you're right. This looks like, uh, when we go to Florida, this looks like all the outlet store setups mm. and those. They they got better food. They got better, better places to go. Like, yeah, yeah we're stuck. I know it's a huge first world problem. Hey, I I, I love both cities equally. Uh, they're very I, diplomatic of you. Yeah, no, I do. I love both. <laughs> I what I do find is Saskatonians have more of a dislike for Regina than Regina yeah. does for Saskatoon. It's like it's, we don't really get into that. It's because it's because they're professional teams like the lacrosse team. Yeah, that's and, right. The and, rush. And, yeah, and yeah. We're the, we got the riders, and, and we got the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, we can we can make we, we can take we can give you the money yeah. or we yeah, can take, take it away. Hey, yeah, this is the star not only of the rider broadcast but uh, the. Uh, 
the cart conversations, and we actually oh. had a couple people talk about that on the text line. Tell me about that. It's an, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you this before um, before I let you talk. The Rough Riders, and not just because you're sitting here, just in general, have stepped up their social media game. I, I completely agree. I think that uh, I really like the vignette that they put out um, with uh, Craig Reynolds about uh, and, and involving Creef and passing the football during the meetings. I think that that's exactly, um, you know, the way to to draw in the younger audience. And I think that. You know, for the car conversations that uh, that we do with Blake and the team there, um, that's it. They're trying to figure out ways to have that conversation. I think that you and I are, um, you know, obviously we're the best, just ask us. But, like, you and I, <laughs> we can talk X's and O's, right? But coming up with the content about players that people don't know, that's really crucial. And I think that we're doing a, we're doing a good job capturing just sort of, what the person's like like we just did one um i just my car conversation today was with uh, anthony lanier the second and it was an incredible conversation just because there's so much depth behind him as a man and so much passion for community that he has it was really nice for him to express that right then then rather than sit there talking about oh yeah practice is great my body's sore yeah those those things on the helmet suck right so it's another angle but it's an angle that that you can you can draw people in because then you can couple it with the shows you do and our broadcast right like it gives everybody a holistic sort of experience it was fun to uh, just stand before the interviews with um with peter godber and stefan banks and they're both one guy's from calgary godber played for the bc lions godber said i in all my time there was only asked to interview once or twice i've been asked three times this week yeah banks is like he's like uh, i there's nobody cares like this in calgary it's interesting just to see these guys uh, right. coming to rider nation it's a big deal here and that's a really good sign right because i think that i think that it rider nation has been been at the back of the line for for the last few years and that's not a bad thing but man the success that winnipeg's had the new ownership in bc uh calgary always being an organization that's in and around the top right like rider nation i mean i was very fortunate i was i was there and i was part of the core group that that really experienced some success from 2007 through 2010 you play right. you played in an era where yeah. the rough riders it was one of the best eras if not the best era and it really yeah. helped it really helped build the new stadium yeah, that we have here. Yeah. But I was also, when I got drafted, I came over here when you couldn't give away game tickets. And they were had to black out games just to get people into the stadium, right? So I've seen it all. And, and I think that, yeah, we, you know, I think we're still the best fans in the league, still the best fan base, but, you know, that's what I think. And uh, But if you ask other people, I mean, you got to hand it to Winnipeg. I st you know, I think the best success story, personally, is Ottawa. They managed to continue to come out to that game. That team was terrible for the last under un, under Paul Lapalise. They were brutal, but there were so many people that came out, and I think that that's what the Riders are trying to do. Is they're trying to make sure that hey, you know, wins and losses. That's the most important. That's always going to be the most important thing. But let's also do things to engage our community, so that when we do lose or we do win, hey, we also had some pretty cool things happen. On in, the way. in fairness to, to not just being a flag waver, I think they've done a good job with their. Uh, social media game okay mm -hmm. and you're part of that they need to do and, and a lot of it in fairness to them covid set everybody back yeah. you know that in the red cross game and everything like yeah, that no kidding uh, a restaurant we're sitting in now it was <laughs> terrible before right thank it's a God. miracle some of these restaurants yeah, made 100 percent. but here's where i'm going with this they need to get back to 
what made them great grassroots. They need to get back to Saskatoon. They need to get mm-hmm. back. And I'm glad they're having training camp here, but still, you gotta you gotta be out here selling tickets or giving tickets away and getting people to come back to Regina. You know, what's interesting is I always get asked um, in the agricultural communities that that I that I go to or that people you know when people run into me in the store and they want to talk a little bit of football, you know. Places like Vibank, places like Cardiff, they they always ask, "Hey, are the riders going to do those provincial tours again?" Right, and I think that that's because I think that that's what you're talking about, right? You're getting involved with the fan base, rubber chicken circus, yeah, yeah, that's always going to support you, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that were going on. Now, you can get a two. Speaking of social media, you can get a two-minute uh, briefing, two and a half minute briefing with our good buddy Blaine Weil, and he films Luke and I. We call it Rider Rewind. We rewind the practice after every day. Um, so we touched on this here and get it out all our social media handles. But you and I can expand a little bit here. Uh, you were you were mentioning Jordan Beaulieu and how he, he might be a guy not to forget. And yeah. then he and then he gets he cut. Got cut. Were you surprised? Yeah, I was. Uh, and and I wasn't surprised. It wasn't like he was jumping off the page in camp, but he was in. He was getting significant reps, and I thought that was that was interesting considering the guys they had there. And I think that you know I don't think it was necessarily his performance that made. I think it was the other people's performance, right? Like I think that um, you know Jackson Ford, for instance, right? He comes in here and he shows great individual ability, and he shows that he's so you as a coaching staff, especially as a, with the guy that you know was your second pick of the draft, you want to get him rolling. So now to Today, with releasing Beaulieu, you saw Jackson Ford out there a lot more, right? Now you can really get into analyzing Ford, Lacombo, um, Jaden Dalkey, and his ascension into that safety position. I think you're right. It's more than just Jackson Ford. You're probably looking at it. You spent some equity on on Ford in the second round. So you're like, okay, okay. And then you're also... You you don't have a safety yet. Like you got to figure out who that guy is. Yeah. So Dalkey and Lacombo are the key to getting more reps in practice. And I think that that's where that's where it's been interesting to see the pace and intensity of practice. Understanding that this Saskatchewan Rough Riders team was six and twelve last year, and there's a lot of positions across the board on offense and defense that do need to be addressed. So when you and I were questioning sort of the, the pace and the and the, the rollout of practice in day one and day two, then we were in love with day three because they're out there competing. And then, well, obviously it was a change of plan because of the smoke in the morning. You had to go into the indoor facility and you're kind of back to that laid back practice feel, right? So, um, but this is a team that's got a number of things that they're going to want to do really well heading into their first exhibition game in a week and a half or whatever that is. And, you know, it's nice. Unfortunately, you have to release guys like Bolio. Cooper Richardson, I thought, did a decent job. Is that, a, is that, is that a good sign? Or, well, how do you take that with Cooper Richardson being gone? Well, one of the things we have to remember is that with new coaching staff, especially on the O-line with uh, Vital there now, there wasn't that sort of favoritism thing. There wasn't a guy that had relationships with all the guys. There was a guy that came in that could analyze sort of what he sees as a, a need is to, to be an offensive lineman and what he has in front of him. And I it just might have been one of those instances where Cooper Richardson just didn't fit the new offensive line coach's mold. And that's fine. Cooper Richardson's a young guy. I think that he'll he'll land. The best part about it, there's the USFL and there's the XFL. So you have more options to land now if it doesn't work out in the CFL. But, again, it frees up reps for more guys, right? So if Bullia took eight reps um, yesterday's practice, 
those eight reps were on the table for guys like Ford and Lacombo today to battle it out. So, you know, you have to make tough decisions, but there's a lot of positives into the decisions, and the result is more reps for guys like Ford, who you invested in. Who looks better right now, Mason Fine or Jake Dolagala? That's, uh, that's, that's an incredible question. I'll tell you what. Or Shay Patterson. Oh, I'm so, that's the worst part about that whole question. You're like, hey, who looks better between Fine and Dolagala? And then you're like, well... Don't forget Patterson. Yeah, I had a I had a I had a quick opportunity to talk to OC Kelly Jeffrey um, today when we were leaving the build facility. I talked to him maybe for thirty seconds, and I was I was just asking him how he was doing, and but but we talked about the quarterbacks, and he's been really really impressed with all of those guys, and he said that the amount of like the the amount of of throws that these guys are making. And the dimes that these guys are throwing, it's gonna they're making it incredibly hard on those coaches to try to figure out where each one of those and that's a great problem to have, but it speaks to their progress. So for instance, today, young player, right? Mason Fine throws a pick six. You could tell he threw it and he literally as he's I was I was sitting there with uh with um Fairholm. Fairholm today and as he's as he's like about to release it, you can tell he tries to take it back, right? It doesn't happen. Nick Marshall picks it off, goes the other way. Like Ron Lancaster said, there's no string on the ball. Yeah, unfortunately, right? But, and so you're thinking like, oh, man, that's crazy. And then, in the very next play, Shea Patterson came out and threw an absolute dart. I think it was a 30-yard seam route. Right. Right? And you're like, oh, man, finds through a pick sick. Patterson just, dude, instead of, like, you know, hanging his head, the very next play, Mason Fine gets out there, throws a bullet pass beautiful pass in between two defenders almost for a touchdown and it got the whole crowd and that's the competition these guys aren't settling on the play that happened last mm. Dole Gala today was the with same him play. with him Luke is he throws the best deep ball on the team Dole Gala? yes ha- but, hands down but it's his intermediate game that he and, and so you were, you and I were watching with Fairholm who's a former rider great receiver so he'd know great receiver. too by the way yeah great yeah. guy great, yeah, great you, dude. And, you and him are like the old men in the muffin yeah I feel like such an old man watching practice now, you know? And Fairholm is 58 years old. You see the guns on that guy? Dude. Yeah, like, okay, look, like, I wasn't being nosy, but he took off his sweater. I was like, put it back as, on. Yeah, as, and I'm like, man, I'm going to go do some sit-ups. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'll be back, yeah. Me too. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you that thought that. That guy's jacked. I'm glad you thought that. Anyways, so there's a play where I forget the receiver, but he's running a post route, and he's open, okay? Dolagala doesn't hit him. He throws it underneath about 10 or 12 yards, and I said, well... Dolagala had talked to me in an interview and said, listen, I know I can throw it deep. It's moving the chains and the intermediate game I want to concentrate on. Farrell goes, yeah, but he's going to get yelled at because he missed. He passed up the touchdown pass. How do you view that in a, in a Skelly situation like that? Yeah, uh, and I think that we mentioned it very briefly when we were all sitting together, right? Skelly's t- tilted towards the offense. The offense should always look good in Skelly. The thing I do in pass Skelly is I, I do a running count in my head. As soon as the ball's thrown back to the quarterback, I'm saying 1,001, 1,002, 1,002. As soon as I start the 1003, everything that happens beyond that play, I, I say, has to be taken with a grain of salt because the pressure that that these quarterbacks are going to face after you know the 2000, the 1002. I mean, by then you're being moved off to your launch point, right? Like they're sacked. Skelly, you yeah. can literally just move yourself into a better position to throw the ball. So it's not incredibly realistic. I prefer, and that's why I like Trevor Harris, and that's why I talked about Trevor Harris so far, is because Trevor Harris. You can tell this guy's used to moving sticks. There's not this delayed sort of, 
you know, wait for the long ball. If the long ball is there, Trevor Harris is going to take it. Does he take it a ton? No. Actually, I saw him maybe once today take the long ball over the five to ten intermediate routes, right? But when he throws to those five to ten intermediate routes, he throws it within a realistic time frame, and he throws it to where he's not just sort of, he hasn't made these 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 unrealistic adjustments to the pocket. So I think that, yeah, Pascali's great, but also you have to take into account the timing, because a lot of the times you don't have four or five seconds to throw the football from the exact place the play is drawn up. Very good point. He's Luke Moner. He'll be back in a little bit, but up next, we're headed out of the Western Pizza hotline we're going to talk to rob vanstone who's a writer with the saskatchewan rough riders this is the sports cage from the canadian brew house in saskatoon the Stonebridge location thanks to them for having us out here on 620 ckrm now for the cage clutch performer on 620 ckrm brings it out of the pack turns fires away again Jokic comes in for the rebound. And new 14 on the clock. Caldwell Pope reverse missed it. Jokic on the second tip is good. He's relentless on the board. Yeah, Nikolai Jokic doing his thing last night. A triple-double in Game 1 of the Western Conference Final versus the L.A. Lakers. The Nuggets take it 132-126. to 126. Jokic with 34 points, 21 rebounds and 14 assists. Yeah, I think that's good enough for your Sports Cage Clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. 620 CKRM is your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we've got all the info you need for training camp. Now back to the Sports Cage in Saskatoon, live at Griffith Stadium. Thanks to the Canadian Brew House, who's a sponsor of ours on the station on this show. And we're at the Canadian Brew House in Saskatoon, Stonebridge location. Michael Ball and Luke Molitor. Luke, we got a couple of minutes before we have to break. Then we'll have Rob Vanstone on the other side. Hey, you talked about a pick six. Nick Marshall had that pick six. I'm interested to see what Nick Marshall brings to the table this year. Little, little discontent there between him and the coach partway through the year. Felt like, yeah. The coach was quick to, to you know, say he was wrong for saying something behind closed doors as opposed to the media, which I don't think he should have done in the first no, place. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, Nick, we talked about that. Nick, Nick, like you said, be better. He should have never apologized. No, he that. shouldn't have. Yeah. He shouldn't have. But anyway, your thoughts on Nick Marshall and what you're hoping to see from him this year? Well, I think that today's pick six, for instance, is a really good example of what Nick Marshall is to this team. If, and if, what he can be. Yeah, if you choose to throw in Nick Marshall's direction, it better be accurate because he has the ability to just pick it and run the other way with it and hurt your team. And I think that this year, though, Nick Marshall's going to realize that he's a lot more of a leader than he thinks he is. Um, I really like, you know, now that guys like Edom aren't here, and Nick Marshall probably really got along with him. Now the guys like Edom and Dan Clark aren't here, I really like the attitudes that are starting to feel like are seeping into this team. So, for instance, Anthony Lanier, the more vocal that guy is on the field, the more vocal guy Nick Marshall is because those guys, they're like they're like what was wrong with the Leafs. The Leafs, I felt, needed needed a guy who had a little bit of edge and a lot of attitude and just, you know what I mean, was a little bit of a... You can't, you can't win with just choir boys. No, you can't win with just choir boys. And I like Nick Marshall and Lanier for that. So Nick Marshall, I think, is going to be thrust organically into a leadership role. I think that he's going to make the plays. It doesn't mean he has to be breaking down the team, be the raw, raw guy. 
But I just think that every time Nick Marshall, or you try to throw at Nick Marshall this year, it better be an accurate throw. Otherwise, it's going the other way. I think he can be an all-star again. I still think he's one of the top defensive backs in the league. And But the, the there is also the risk that I think that if, it, if you don't win quickly, right, if you don't win uh, that first six, seven weeks, the dressing room has the potential to go the other way. And I don't see Nick Marshall being the guy to be like, no, 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 guys, we got to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, good point. Yeah. Right. He he could be a front runner leader. Is what you're saying? If they're if they if they're if they're winning, it'll be interesting to see how he handles adversity. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 Let's I think put so. it that way. Yeah. We're gonna take a break and be back with the CFL report and Rob Vanstone next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 431 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. And uh, voters in Tempe, Arizona, have rejected all three measures for the Arizona Coyotes' $2.1 billion arena project. And, uh, well, this is from Gary Bettman. He says, in quote, the National Hockey League is terribly disappointed by the results of the public. And uh, what else does he go on to say? Blah, blah, blah. Then he goes on to say, we are going to review with the Coyotes what the options might be going forward. So Gary Bettman, he will not give up his dream in Arizona quite yet. He wants that squad there. Blue Jays, Yankees tonight, 507, opening pitch. Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. CFL Report is brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out online at kevinsmarine.com. Okay, uh, CFL Report. Uh, Craig Butler. The former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, and uh, we love Craig Butler back in the day as a player. He was the special teams coordinator for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the 34-year-old special teams were among the best in the league in 2022. Hamilton finished league-wide, first league-wide in opponent punt average, punt return average, pardon me, and opponent kick return average. The club was also one of the only two in the CFL not to allow a return touchdown all season. He credits Jeff Reinbold and Dennis McKnight, among other coaches, that helped him get ready for the role. But he is stepping down as an assistant coach and special teams coordinator to spend more time with family. He feels that's uh, where he's needed more. So he is stepping down, and that's why Jeff Reinbold is back with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That's your CFL report. The Sports Cage is your all-access pass for everything Rodgers. And we've taken the show on the road to training camp. Back to the cage live in Saskatoon with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. Sun and rain. Saskatchewan Buffaloes is our day. I love that, man. I wish they'd get back to those old tunes. Get the tradition going again with this team. Uh, we've got a guy that's been around Rough Rider football as a fan, as a newspaper writer, and now with... Oh, he's not there yet. Okay, I thought he was there. He's not there. Not there. No Rob Vanstone yet. So I got Luke Mullender here. <laughs> hey, we got a guy. Who are we? Look at this not guy. There. Guy goes, goes and works with the Riders, and now he's big time. Now he's big time. Yeah, big, it's weird. To, it's, I think this would be a very strange thing for Rob Vanstone. You got a guy that wrote good columns, scathing columns, and now he is 
wearing Ryder green, like he's a Ryder guy. So that's yeah. a whole that's a whole mind a mind shift. For him. Part of the old propaganda machine. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's a it's a valid question. And here's here's probably the biggest question is is. Who now takes on the role of, of the person that questions the Saskatchewan Rough Riders when they need to be held accountable? Well, you're looking at two of them. Taylor Shire took over uh, from Global, went to a PR job, and now is back. <laughs> he has replaced Rob Bamstone, so there you go. Hey, uh, Rob's there. Rob, how do you feel about Taylor Shire? Well, he can't replace you, but taking your job. Well, they got a lot younger, didn't they? <laughs> oh, Taylor's terrific. Uh, you know, some people at uh, the Leader Post and at uh, Post Media headquarters kind of sounded me out about it when uh, Taylor had applied because they, they got his application. And it was almost like it was too good to be true. So they wanted to check with me, kind of, you know, okay, what's the deal here? And I said to hire him. Like, not that I had any say in it, but it was just like hire him. It was, it was, uh, I'm so delighted that, uh, and I put this in my column on, on riderville.com around the time that Taylor, just the weekend before he started, I said, man, just a terrific hire for the, uh, for the leader post and, and post media. And I'm just, I'm delighted that he's, he's doing it. Luke just brought up, uh, well, Luke and I just brought something up, and I think it's worth asking you. Uh, it's a whole mind uh, mindset shift for you, my friend. Like, you've been uh, a fan, obviously, and you want the Riders to win as the Rob Banstone fan, the guy who whose mom took him to the games, okay? But you're also, you've also been a, co- uh, a columnist. You've been, uh, you know, under the tutelage of the likes of Bob Hughes, okay? So you're used to writing scathing things about the Riders. Um, <laughs> maybe you watch a sloppy practice and you want to write something, but you got to maybe kind of check yourself. Am I right when I say that? Like, has it been a mind mindset shift for you? Uh, sure, perhaps. I think it's been different, though, in that the way I'm looking at it is that once upon a time, in a more detached role, I would look at things and say, well, okay, I think this is what happened. I'm pretty sure that this is what happened. And I'd write things with, you know, I was to the best that I could ascertain that was the case. Uh, And now what I have, I think, is the kind of access where I don't have to say, well, I think this is what happened or this is my opinion. Uh, I have the the latitude and the access where I can just go to the people who are, are, integrally evolved those situations and say, okay, what is, what exactly is the truth here? And uh, so I'm trying to look at it from the standpoint that I think I can, I can use the access that I have and the platform that I have to, to uh, report without any speculation, without any rumor, without any conjecture. And from that state, it's a different style of writing. I'm not writing, uh, you know, nearly as much as opinion as I used to. I think I'm still writing some of the goofy stuff that I've always enjoyed doing, belittling myself in the process. I'm enjoying writing the features. I'm enjoying getting to know the players and, and the people in the organization. But it's a different role. It's a different job. And uh, I think uh, that's something I, I've had to get my head around. And, and actually, I've, I've really enjoyed the process. I, uh, I had my time doing that. I've been the columnist since April of, or since August of 1996. It was a, uh, uh, longer than anybody's ever been a sports columnist at the Leader Post, and it was time for a. I think it was time for me to try something else. I think it was time time for a fresh voice for the LP too, and I'm I'm delighted that uh, that voice is Taylor, and I'm delighted to do what I'm doing, to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy for you. So, Rob, you're at training camp. You you haven't done that for a while. Just your initial impressions of training camp so far through, uh, well, I guess, four days. I, I've liked most of you know most of what I've seen. I mean, there's been you know some of the early week sloppiness that, you know, to which you, which you alluded, but I think that's, 
that's inevitable when when teams and players are coming off a, a long off season. I saw on Tuesday where things really ramped up. They put the pads on, and that was a a really good practice. And, uh, and just watching the quarterbacks today, by and large, I think that was that was an impressive showing. I've really enjoyed watching Jake Dolagala throw a football. He can really spin it, and you're seeing you know, Trevor Han- Trevor Harris get more comfortable with the uh, with the offense with each passing day too in the new system. So, uh, you know, I mean, you never really know this time of year uh, because you know training camps can be a bit of an illusion. Once teams playing are playing against one another, that's when the real results count and the real stories can be uh, can be really or their precise conclusions can be made, but I've really, I've really enjoyed it. It just, it's really an eye opener to kind of realize how much these players and these coaches put into it. My day is usually done late in the afternoon when I'm finished writing and there are more meetings and more films and more things going on uh, right through 10 o'clock when the players go to bed and I'm probably riding my bike at the same time. Those people are having meetings. Yeah, that's a good point. Rob Vanstone of the riders joining us here. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I uh, The one thing we heard about Trevor Harris, other than the fact he's very accurate, is he gets the ball out fast. And I talked to Peter Godber about that today, and he said, now, I'm not going to compare Nathan Rourke and, and Trevor Harris. Uh, you know, on either side, like, Nathan Rourke has NFL-like talent, and, uh, you know, he's a phenom, okay, and, and a Canadian phenom, which we should all continue to promote. Trevor Harris is a grizzled veteran that has a 70.7 completion percentage in his career. So he's great in his own right, too. But what Peter Godber said is they're very similar in the fact they get the ball out quickly. And I think that's going to be something to watch this year at the Riders' offense. And Luke alluded to it. He's uh, more likely to, you know, look for the 5- to 20-yard pass than the 40-yard pass. Yeah, and you know, I think that's... That's, I think, re- the realism of life in the CFL, too. I think a lot of times you have to take what the defense is giving you because I think more than ever, defensive coordinators are wary of getting beaten deep. And you have to check down and you have to uh, move the ball incrementally down the field. I, I watched Trevor Harris a bit and I, I see a little bit of Ken Austin. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, he carries himself with with a lot of confidence. I don't think there's the same swagger that Ken Austin had, but I see somewhat the, the same type of quarterback in that the ball has gone quickly. He has an absolute command of the offense. He, he's, he's so focused on the, the smallest piece of minutia, and, and uh, that has really impressed me. And I, just, I think he's done some things that I – mean, Ken, uh, Ken Austin holds the Riders' single-game record for touchdown passes with six against BC in 1991, and, and Trevor Harris threw six touchdown passes in a playoff game once upon a time. So, you know, Trevor Harris has had two seasons of 30 or more touchdown passes uh, in his career, and the only rough rider with more than one season in that description is Ken Austin with three. So if, if he can even come you know, approximate what Ken Austin brought to this team, it's a, it's a real win, and I, I, I really like what I've seen from Trevor, Trevor Harris so far. It's funny you say that because I watched most of practice with uh, one of the greats, Jeff Fairholm. He was there today, and uh, – he said, you know, uh, Harris reminds me a lot of Austin, too, in the fact that uh, he wow. could throw for 450 yards and five touchdowns, and then the next time you'll throw for 180 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions, and you're like, what happened to Trevor Harris? Because that's what people used to say about Ken Austin, too, so there's that side of the coin, too. It's interesting to have Jeff in town here because his first uh, CFL preseason game was actually played in Saskatoon, June 26, 1988. They played uh, Winnipeg in a preseason game at uh, Gordy Howell Bowl. 
And the Riders won 41-6, to and Jeff Fairholm caught five passes, 49 yards, including a 13-yard touchdown from Kent Austin. So there you go. <laughs> the Rolodex that is <laughs> Rob Badstone. I love it. Has there been anybody that's caught your eye that, uh, you know, a, a name that we haven't really grown accustomed to? Uh, Luke and I both like uh, is Shea Patterson. We thought he's been throwing the ball pretty well and uh, hanging in there with Fine and Dola Gala. But is there anybody that's kind of, uh, you know, turned your eye? Yeah, I agree with you on, on Shea Patterson. He's going to make it really interesting, especially because, he has some you know, history as a short yardage quarterback, and just what a what a tremendous person he is. I really like Devin Jones, and I'm intrigued by Devin Jones, the defensive back. I think he could help them in the return game if if Mario Alford needs a break, uh, if he's going to be used a little bit on offense, uh, and just an absolutely sparkling personality. Just a really yeah, he's great. I I, I had guy. him on on your I had him on on your recommendation, and you know just to, uh, I'll let you finish in a second here. Just kind of. My only concern with Devin Jones is his size, and you can't teach size. Like, for instance, today you mentioned Jake Dolagala. He threw a nice uh, deep ball. I forget who he hit down the left sideline, and the guy beat Devin Jones off the line. Devin's got such great closing speed and had awesome coverage, but he's Richie, not quite Richie Hall short, but he's five foot eight, five foot nine, and uh, it was that lack of size that allowed the completion. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and that was a nice uh, reception by Collegia Lipscomb. And, uh, you know, I remember, too, the days, again, maybe I'm living too much in 1988, but I remember the days of Richie Hall at five foot six was trying to cover six foot six Nick, Nick Araki with Montreal. And somehow Richie Hall always found a way to blanket Nick Araki. So uh, here's hoping that <laughs> Devin Jones has somewhat the same tendencies. That's a tough sec- secondary to crack because there's four players back who started at least 10 games last year. And uh, and it's yeah. a veteran-laden defense and a and and uh, one that I think should return most incumbents because it, the, the personnel is strong and the performance is generally been strong. But I just I just wonder with all the things that, that Devin Jones can do and you, yeah you can't teach size but you can't teach somebody to run the 40-yard dash in 4.43 seconds either. No, Actually that's me. a good point. That's a good point. Well, yeah, those days are long gone for both of us. Um, hey, uh, thanks for your time, I can Rob. Get to the it's uh, great. in 4.43 seconds though. So. <laughs> plates. <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, I want to say this. They've got you on board. One last thing. Just a comment here. He's sitting across from me. His mic's off. But uh, the Riders media game has really stepped up, and I think that's key, and, and, and they've identified that to try to get the younger people uh, to reach out with the digital side of things. Like, those... Uh, those uh, cart conversations with Luke Molitor and whatever player he... That's a, that's a nice freshness to things. Oh, I, I love what they're doing. I see how hard they work. Uh, you know, Tyler Daku is our social lead and he's putting everything up. And Morgan Fleury does such uh, amazing work. And Blake, Blake Tiedemann is an absolute wizard with the camera. Wizard, you know, editing. Same with, you know, Morgan's exceptional. I just, I look at our writer media, our writer, writer video and social media team and I'm just... I'm in awe of not only what they do, but how quickly they do it, and with with uh, with such devotion. I I, I uh, like I pretty much finished my writing for today, and I'm going to go into a little corner room in, in the dorms and where we all kind of work and join them. And they still be they'll still have their heads buried in computers while I'm asking, you know, what we're going to if there's going to be spare ribs for supper. So I'm I'm in awe of what they're, <laughs> what they're doing, and I'm enjoying it as much as you are. 
That's awesome, man. You're a funny guy. All right. <laughs> Take care. Maybe cut it down to 2.2 plates tonight, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll just make sure there's bigger plate. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, man. That's Rob Vanstone. Always fun with Rob Vanstone. We'll come back with Luke Mullender next here on the Sports Cage for, uh, from the uh, Canadian Brewhouse in Saskatoon, Stonebridge area here on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here. Michael Ball along with Luke Mullender. Uh, Luke's about to dive into his food from the Canadian Brew House. Before we do that, man, we got a chat here. So, uh, thanks. I don't want to talk about No, thanks this, to yeah. the Canadian Brew House. They've got some replica rings here for us, like Stanley Cup rings. we got a boiler ones. You want to come by and give them away. we got a few flame ones. we got Bruins. we got Habs. we got, uh, yeah, there's, so, there's a lot of them here. A couple Montreal ones. Uh, you guys are so bad, the Leafs, you can't even have a replica ring. <laughs> you can't even get a replica ring. The Calgary Flames got three replica rings. Boston Bruins. Boston. Edmonton got a handful. You, can't, you, got, you got nothing. Zero. Like, I don't know. We won the, la- the last time we won a Stanley Cup, they were using those wooden masks on goalies. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure. And I think like, it was the first year they wore masks. Remember when the, the pads were? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't even wearing helmets. Yeah. Yeah. That's embarrassing. <sighs> And Dubas looks like he wants to just go into... Well, fine. We're fine with that. Tell Dubas to beat it. Like, five years and nothing. <laughs> like, man. Like, we, we lost Babcock for these clowns. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's uh, chat here a little bit about... Uh, I'm so some, mad uh, now. No, no, I ticked you off. Now I ticked you off. Well, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're going to blow it up, you know. <laughs> Nylander did nothing. Nobody did anything. How about, uh, speaking of hockey, since you're on a you're on a roll here... What about they turn down the rink in Tempe, Arizona now? What do they do with the Arizona Coyotes? Like, well, I don't know, but they I'm pretty sure up. the Arizona Coyotes have a better chance of winning the Cup than the Leafs do. <laughs> <laughs> they might be, they might be playing, they might be playing in the Cooperator Center. But is, they might win that the is, Cup. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. that is, that is a black eye on the uh, NHL. Though they got to get nah, out of just, there. Yeah, just but Bettman out. just loves them. Bettman just loves. If that was like, well, you think Bettman, Bettman, Bettman probably has a house there. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, right? that's right. Right, exactly. He sells he sells season tickets. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably. Yeah. They go to the Coyotes. What the hell's the Coyotes? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what we're seeing on the O line. Uh, no Cooper Richardson. So I, I is Eric. Here's the thing. Here's the concern I have, and maybe it's unwarranted about an Eric Lofton. Okay. Okay. He comes over and just hear me out. No, I think I'm going to totally he, agree. He, with he comes over from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a older offensive line, okay? And an expensive offensive line. If Eric Lofton was a starting offensive lineman in the Canadian Football League, I don't know his exact age, but he's younger, and he's for sure more inexpensive. Would Mike O'Shea not go towards Eric Lofton? Yeah, I... I, I, That's my red flag. You can't help but throw the flag there, right? Because here's the problem. We gotta hope... That the Eric Lofton situation doesn't work out like the Ty Rogers situation because they're identical. Natai Rogers was a backup offensive lineman who had played a few games. He's played more. He played more games than Lofton did. 
but he was essentially in the same role with the Ottawa Redblacks. We signed him here, stuffed him at right tackle, and it was probably the most disastrous right tackle position that we've seen. Um, now you have Eric Lofton in that very same position, and you're right. Like Out of all the people who can evaluate talent in the league, right? out of all the great decisions, like keep in mind, this is the same staff that has put a DB in the NFL for like the last three years. Like a rookie DB too. Like they're great at assessing talent. For them to let Eric Lofton just walk when they know they've got some older offensive tackles, I mean, either they've got some studs that they have behind them or they were like, yeah, no big deal. That's what I find very interesting. Now, in terms of the running back spot, we're pretty sure that it's going to be uh, – it looks like it's uh, uh, Hickson and J-Mo's spot to lose, obviously. But, you know, I've really liked what I've seen from the former Carolina Panther, Rodney Smith. He, he's, he's got some pop to him. You said that today, and you're right. He's got a little speed burst. You, you, he's probably used to carrying the ball, right, and um, low to the ground. Balls are well, you can't tell right now because they're not tackling, right? So, But um, you're right. That running back group is flashed. And your reference to the fullbacks yesterday catching passes, yeah. touchdown passes, like a watchy, like there are spots on this in this organization that are solid right now, and I do think that running back is one of them. Yeah, for sure, I, I do. Uh, and 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 with a guy like a or Bruno Labelle, who we saw play some tight end, even Braden Lenius, who went to the NFL as a tight end, a bigger body, you could see different alignments, as, as you like to say. There. Yeah, you're, you're, right now they they they're rolling in different formations and different substitution groups. Um, we referenced in today on our on our rider rewind. Um, we saw we saw we saw the use of um, number two uh, Alfred Alfred. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know why his name escaped me. Mario Alfred was put in the offense today. Um, we saw a guy like um, Bain goes Jr. from the slot to the, the slot to the, the back backfield, back. right? Yep. Something that we hated to see when KSB yep. did it. But you got to think that Kelly Jeffries is going to take a different approach to that theoretical concept. So yeah, they're they're they're. Um, they had some the big tight ends. They had big tight ends today in Skelly period too with Labelle and Awachi. So I think that they're they're rolling in and out, seeing what looks good, what feels good, right? What they can get comfortable with. Um, but again, they just it's a matter of repping it competitively, right? And having and that's why it sucks. We have to wait so long for this first exhibition game. Yeah, that, you're absolutely. Right. You just want to see it rolled out. You you even you, though it's vanilla, you still want to see it rolled out. Whatever the vanilla looks like or is. It's still you still want to see it rolled out. Yeah, all right. So coming up here on the other side of the break, we are uh, well. We're encouraging your text. Keep them coming for the Capital Auto Group nine three six sixty two sixty two. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, and we want to give a shout out to our friends here at the Canadian Brewers because we're coming to you live in Saskatoon, and they're giving us a lot of great uh, hospitality here. Um, yeah, coming up here after five o'clock, we still got a lot to get to. Just pulling up my lineup here. We're going to hear from Jaden Dolkey. Right now, it could be the lead dog at safety for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Luke and I will also talk about the one to watch. We kind of referenced him here um, a couple of seconds ago. We'll also hear from Stephen Banks, former Calgary Stampeder, Coach Dickey again. That and much, much more. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the Canadian Brew House. Thanks to the gang, Anthony and Mitch, for having us out here at the Stonebridge location. Beautiful location, right when you come into Saskatoon. Head on Circle Drive. 
up over the Preston overpass and into the strip mall here. It's great. Lots of great food and great baseball, and there's NBA basketball tonight, game number one between the Heat and the Celtics. And Good game. That will be a good game. Yeah, the Heat have really come on. It's amazing. The Heat and the Lakers barely got in, and they're both uh, making waves. I think the Celtics are going to win the championship. I think it's going to be Celtics and Denver, and I think that the Celtics beat Denver. You're probably right. Okay, uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We're going to hear from Jaden Dalkey in a second. Luke, I want to ask you this question as the color commentator. Because you uh, pull no punches, so I do want to ask you this. At the start of the, like, once all the free agency and everything was done, and listen, I'm not going to, I don't want to put too much stock into the first four days, but I'm good, I'm, I am going to ask you this. After you've watched the Rough Riders through these four, first four days, one day full competitive, and you look at the schedule without us doing the eyeball test on the other teams, okay? If you look at the schedule, I have the Riders at 9-9. Nine and nine. I think that's a playoff year you get there. That's what I think. But I want your opinion. What do you see from the Rough Riders record-wise? A way-too-early prediction based on what you see from the, the camp and, and, the, and the schedule. From what I've seen right now and the holes that still have to be addressed and what they've done so far... And their schedule, specifically in the first six weeks, I think right now, right now, with all of the things that they still need to address, I, th- I see them with seven wins. I'll tell you this, man. I will. You make a good point about the schedule. Let's look at this for a second. I'm just shutting your mic off just so it's easier to hear, and then we'll put you on. So check this out. They open up on a guaranteed win day for the Edmonton Elks, June 11th. Now, you have been... The Chris Jones guy, he's going to have his team ready to go. That football team, Luke, has not won on home turf in two years. That will be the hardest game one to win maybe in the last ten years. The hardest game one? For, yeah, the, the, that will oh. be the hardest opening game yeah. for the Riders in the last five to ten years. Yeah, Edmonton's always a difficult place to play anyways, but I think that I, I think that what they're doing is they're playing a team that has significantly different expectations than they had last year. I think Chris Jones went in last year and, and basically told the brass, look, we're going to suck. But what we are going to do is we're going to identify players that we can move ahead with into the next year, and then we'll keep going. And I think that this year Chris Jones probably expects to beat the teams that he can be competitive with, and I think that the Riders are one of those teams that he expects to beat, and I think it'll be different. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. That first that first game is going to be a really, really tough ask. And then the next tough ask is the most dominant team in the last three years. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers finished 15-3 and three last year. They've been in the last three Grey Cups, winning two of those. The Rough Riders, their home opener on Father's Day weekend, all the pomp and pageantry. So we give the Riders a little bit of juice because it's a home game. I, I I'll give them that, but it's a short week. they got to go from a Sunday game to a Friday game against a team like Winnipeg. Well, and the other thing that, that you have to understand about that game, too, is people that people are still trying to figure out their housing at that point, right? So Good point. You know, not everybody wants to stay in the dorms, right? So so some guys aren't even going to be settled into their, their, their residence um, wherever they live in Regina. Um, here's the problem that I've seen so far, and, and again, it's not... It's not the wrong approach. I'll say it again. It's not the wrong approach that they've taken. It's just a different approach. The approach that I've seen 
is indicative of probably what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are practicing like, right? A team that's been to the last three Grey Cups, team that has an established core, a ton of veterans trying to figure out where the depth positions lie. I just really feel like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have a ton, a, a ton, are very different in the questions that they have to answer, right? And and the positions that you know are in question for this team. That's why right now I have them at seven eleven. This could change. Like we could get on the other side of this first exhibition game, and I could say, wow, you know what? That, that that looked really good. And and the kicker here is Trevor Harris. I think that Trevor Harris is capable himself of making a difference of three games in for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year based on just his experience and ability alone. That's a three-game swing in my opinion. So seven could turn in to nine or ten really quickly yeah. for this team in my opinion. So the Rough Riders then go to Calgary, which is never easy to never play. Easy. So you could be staring at a one and two or oh and three. Uh, and, and listen, looking at his... Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's have him at one and three right now. Okay, so then they got Edmonton coming in. Then they Two and three. Then, then Calgary is at Saskatchewan. Two and four. Okay. Then Saskatchewan... Now this is the tough stretch. This is where the rubber... Where the rubber could meet the road. You got the Riders at BC on July 22nd, and then they got to travel cross-country, not the Toronto, to Halifax and all the pop and pageantry there. That'll be a real short, distracted week. Yeah, I, I say I say potentially both are losses. I think, I think, I think the winnable game is, is, is between the two is the touchdown Atlanta. I think BC's going to be really tough at home this year. Yeah, they, they'll be good. Uh, Ottawa comes in here after they get back from touchdown Atlantic. I got the Riders uh, winning that one over Bob Dice yeah, and the Red Black. I got them winning that one. And then they got to go to Montreal on a short week from like a Friday to, uh, check that, from a Sunday to a Friday yeah. to play a heated game between Cody and Trevor Harris, the only meeting of the season. So that'll be, yeah. that's a tough first stretch of the season. Yeah, it's, oh, that, that's what I'm saying. We usually break up the season in thirds, right? Take the first six games and the second six games. I think after the first six games, if you can get, if you can get to two and four in those first six games, I think you set yourself up for for success there, right? Like, and I'm being realistic, right? I don't. I think five and one's not realistic. I think six and zero, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're drinking too. There's too much other stuff in your diet coke. So, um, yeah. Again, I think seven wins right now is where I see him. Just and just remember. You're looking at a team that has, is going to have two new tackles, okay? You're looking at a team that has a new center. You're looking at a team that has an entirely different receiving core. You're looking at a team with a new safety. You're looking at a team with um, a new weak side, well, not a new weak side linebacker, but Micah Tights, the depth behind Micah Tights, where's that, right? And, but, but in essence, he's new. He's never played with right? these hash marks. And, and you're looking at a team with a new defensive end, right, on, on the other side of Pete Robertson. So, and you're also, and I remember I've been talking I've been talking about this all off season. There's no team in the history of professional sports that goes through seasons anymore without a major injury to a key player. Right? Like look what happened to the Bucks. They lost Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. And what happened to them? They nosedive and everybody's getting fired now. Like so so I think 7 games is realistic right now for what we see. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree. Luke mentioned the new safety this guy could be your starting safety this year. It's Jaden Dalkey. I caught up with him. Here with Rider Safety, Jaden Dalkey. First few days at camp. How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going well. It's been fun being back. Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, so, uh, in terms of uh, your expectations this year, uh, is it your job to lose in your mind? Yeah, yeah. And uh, from my understanding, like the 
Coach Klund has said to everybody in the competition that the spot's wide open coming into camp. And uh, of course, in my brain, I, it, I'm going to go for number one and and uh, I'm not going to give it up easy. We've got a Can West matchup here. we got the U of A guy in you. we got the U of S guy in Lacombo. And now yeah. the new guy, the U of R guy, Jackson Ford. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I think we all have a really good uh, camaraderie, and we all get along together. So it's a it's definitely a fun competition. You were an unknown guy coming in here, maybe a camp body last year. Mm. That's always been your way, fighting and scraping and clawing. What's the mindset this year in terms of comfortability and everything like that? Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to come in with this kind of the same mindset. Like I don't want to I don't want to come in and disappoint anybody and and get sent home early or anything like that. But it was a uh, as soon as I saw all the guys from last year, it, it definitely kind of clicked in that like it is. I do have different goals. I do have a different, a little dip, bit of a different role, um, mentorship role with some of the younger guys coming in, and then it's it's just awesome being back with all the vets, like reconnecting. So yeah, you told uh, me uh, when you left last year, the coach said just make sure you run, make sure you run. Did you do that in the off season? <laughs> yeah, I was running. I was running. Uh, I ended up uh, a couple of my friends were training for a half marathon so then i was like well that's running too so we signed up for that and we went and crushed that out in like february in edmonton which was uh you know quite the experience running in the cold but lots of trail running and then uh and then of course i was working with clint uh coach clint to get the vo2 max up lots of assault bike lots of uh the curve treadmills and everything like that it was awesome so is that really what you identify in your game that you need to have to be a starting safety in this league is the uh, the, the running aspect or what do you think is going to be key for you to remaining in that position? Yeah, I think uh, I, I already think I've got the physicality yeah. down. Uh, I can come in and add on the run very, uh, very easily. And then uh, playbook wise. I've got, I feel like very confident that I have a good handle on that. So as long as I just know like that I'm smooth running, like I'll be fast, I'll be able to cover and make sure that I got everybody's back. You were uh, banged up last year towards the end of the year. How's it feel? How's it feeling now? Pretty healthy? Yeah, no, body's feeling good. Little, uh, I think everybody's tight at this point, but that's just getting back and playing football. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so and let's talk about uh, last year. It was, uh, it's nice. Uh, the, the season wasn't great, but for you, what did you learn about the CFL game? Uh, camera angles are everywhere. Uh, <laughs> the other thing was is that, uh, of course, a very first first couple of games, I got told I was hesitant uh, from. People I respect, uh, old coaches, obviously my father, and uh, but I, I I taught myself or I learned for myself that I can play in this league, and I came in with that uh, confidence, which definitely helped coming yeah. into the season. So your dad and I had a good conversation. He he didn't even he said uh, Jaden didn't even know if he really wanted to go in the draft. He wasn't sure mm -hmm. what he was gonna do, and your dad basically said ride the, ride it to the wheels fall off if if that's something you want to do. Yeah. Uh, looking back on it now, pretty good decision. It's nice to have that fatherly influence that was a coach too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and obviously like my mom Shannon, she mm -hmm. she helps out with that too. They're all they're both very supportive. Everybody in in my corner. Uh, have always been there for me but it was it was just a uh, little trying times going through one injury and then just leading right into the other I was just like my head was spinning a little bit but yeah. thank god I did not yeah, no <laughs> thank god I came and you're uh, roommates with Nelson Lacombo which is interesting you guys are friends but uh, like your dad said if it's a competition Jaden's going to be taking notes and Jaden's going to use that to his advantage what's it like rooming with the guy that you're competing with for playing time 
yeah no it's it's good like uh we talk a lot we we just try to make sure that we're doing the right things like both of us like i don't think either one of us are trying to sabotage anybody yeah. like yeah. we we want to make sure that we're just improving day by day rather than the other guy falling behind or anything yeah. like that and so i think that's what makes a team successful when it's player driven and when you have competitions like that right yeah you got to and i think everybody's stressing right now that the only person you're competing with is yourself like you everybody's just got stacked days on days throughout training camp so that we got we got to make sure that we got the best guys out there give us the best chance is there a different mood around here this year it's very uplifting right now i feel uh I feel a lot of good camaraderie. We got a good core group of guys and lots of talent that just came in for new guys too, and and they're fitting right in. Is there a different message amongst the you know from the head coach from that from the regime because we know uh, they're under fire like they got to win they're, they're on the last years of your contract. Have you noticed anything different about the mentality of camp this year? Big emphasis on uh, what our core values are and our pillars. I think that was a good. Uh, good start from our upper management our coaches for sure just sending the message early um being being uh, integral it, having good integrity mm -hmm. being accountable reliable being a team playing fast playing physical and just making sure that we know what we're doing and just being together it's it's a uh, it's good i don't know if you heard the podcast earlier this year when i had jason shivers on and he was talking about how uh, there was an injury on defense and one of the coaches came over and said hey with the ratio we could put an american in he said i don't care i'm putting dalkey in how does that make you feel when the coach has that much confidence in you no, like I, I really appreciate Shives, and uh, I understand where Dickie was coming from for sure. But um, I mean, if he's got my back, I, I've got his, and I think both, both of us know that for sure. Hey, you're looking great, man. Best of luck. Appreciate it, Ballsy. Thanks. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back here to Saskatoon at the Stonebridge Canadian Brewhouse. Thanks to them for having us down. On Saturdays here, they got their ha uh, Hangover Caesars Coors Light on special. Uh, specials on a shot of Jack or Jack Shooters and Sangrias and Ribeyes on Saturday as well. All right, so I'm joined here by Luke Mulliner. Um, and uh, Luke, our one to watch on the radio today is going to be uh, it's going to be Stephen Banks. But the one to watch that we did in our Ride or Rewind on social media was Sean Bain Jr. Let's talk about him. A good route runner. He had trouble catching the ball a bit today, too, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with him. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean Bain Jr. wasn't the only one. There were far too many drop balls across the board. Matter of fact, today, and I think it was day one, were probably, from a coach's angle, unacceptable from a receiver standpoint. Um, sure. Sean Bain Jr., yeah, he's shifty, right? He, he's, he's, it's like he's a younger Kyran Moore right now, right? He's, he, he's not the tallest, but he's, I watched him doing his drills. He's, he's very defined. Like some of the receivers I was watching running it a little bit over um, half speed. Like they, they don't do drills full, full speed, but they do them at a pace. Some of those receivers, for instance, when they're doing a cone cut drill, some of them, you can see them rounding off. Sean Bain's very precise, so it's, it's, it's plant and go. But he's got a nice sort of plant, and then the next step is, is, is it doesn't look like he loses a lot of speed. Route running's important, right, especially if you're in that slot. It's, it's the outside big receivers that can get away with running, like, circled corner routes and things like that because the field's so wide, right? But I think Sean Bain Jr. is going to be in, in positions this year where he's going to have to cut out a route. So, um... Again, the, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show as well, they used him in a couple different spots, right, and go from the slot. So I think he's going to be a tool. 
Kelly Jeffrey probably had a good idea of how he would use Kyran more had he been in his prime and also um, present as an offensive coordinator. And I think that Kelly Jeffrey is probably pretty excited because he sees sort of that, he might see that sort of Kyran Moore slash um, Brandon Banks ability from that slot receiver's position because there's some speed there too. So it's going to be interesting. But you're right, man. This team's got to catch the football. Today was unacceptable. The first day was unacceptable. And what that tells us, inconsistency. Consistency is going to have to be key for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that was our one to watch on social media. The one to watch here on the radio for Specs by Ryan. Don't just get glasses, get Specs. They do great work over there. Ryan Horn, awesome job there on Albert Street. The one to watch for Specs by Ryan on the radio. Stephen Banks, who is a situational pass rusher with the Calgary Stampeders, looking to eat some more on the rider D line. Stefan, first couple of days of practice with the Riders. How's it been going, man? Uh, it's been going well, you know, getting more, getting back to the pace of it, you know, getting the playbook back right, getting more confident and comfortable with the defense and my responsibility. So, you know, the, my pace going to definitely pick up. You know, I feel like we all going to pick up fast. How is this defense different from the one you were in in Calgary? Uh, for the most part, it's, 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 it's more... It's simple for the most part for the D linemen. They, they give us a chance to rush and a chance to just get after the quarterback. That's what we're here for. You were a situational guy at times in Calgary. What was the attractive um, attractive option of coming to Saskatchewan? Um, having the opportunity, you know, to help my team win win a game, show my talent, and just be able to rush rush the passer. And that's what all D linemen want to do for the most part. What adjustments did you have to make, if any, today moving indoors? Um, none for the none. You know, it's it's football, football. You know, you just gotta be able to pick up, even if you know we got, you know, the smoke in the air. We gotta be able to pick up a move and perform wherever we uh put a place that. What did you think of the new caps? New caps. Uh, the new caps was cool for the most part. You know, you like a bobble is too big, but at the, at, for the most part, it's cool. It's not just on the league implementing them. They're also optional for you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. No, nah, they're um, they trying to keep us protected, you know, keep the brain protected concussions. That's um, a big part in the game that, you know, we try to get away from. So I, I definitely understand it. At any point in your life, have you ever thought, oh, I chose the wrong sport? Or have you always been locked into football? Nah, at one point I, I wish I would have played another sport because it would have helped me towards football, but now I've always been football. So no regrets injury-wise or concussion or anything like that? Nah, thanks to the Lord, I never had a concussion. You know? Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> really how to be a pro, you know, how to be a pro, how to do day-to-day living because the first year probably really wasn't the living situation that I wanted because I had to learn and adjust coming from the HBCU coming to pro. It's a whole different world. You got a lot more time to yourself and you got to be locked in and make sure you have all the details down down pat. Is it attractive to come here? We were kind of joking on the side, a place that where football matters, where it's like everybody cares about it, the media, the fans. Uh, yes, sir. You know, it's, it's always good. It's great feeling when you got people, people behind you to support you, you know, Especially people around you, they they give you that extra push, that extra push to to get where you need to be. So uh, fans will be paying more attention to you maybe, well, now as opposed to when you were a stamp. But just describe for us what kind of player are you? Uh, Pass rusher, I'm aggressive. You know, I'm going to bring that extra edge to the defense knowing that I'm going to be where I need to be. be, be where I need to be, make my plays that come to me and probably make some plays that's on the other side of the field as well. 
Nah, yeah, he's a good, he's a great coach. You know, I, I seen his, I mean, seen his defense. He know what he's doing. He know what he's talking about. He blessing people at the right, right time, right call, right play calls at the right time. So yeah, he's a, he's a great mind. That's Stephen Banks looking to show his wares on the defensive line. Luke, a quick comment about him. Have you really paid attention much to him? Yeah, I've seen him out there. I, I mean, he hasn't really had a chance to do much. They've, they've been working really fundamental um, aspects of the game when they've been an individual period. They've been working run fits with the offensive line more than they've been doing the pass rush drill. And I know that with, with a guy like him, you want to see him pass rush, right? So uh, I think the jury's still out on whether or not he, he's going to be a guy. But nobody's really jumped out there, right, so far. And I think it, in, in, in large part just because of the, uh, of the pace that they've been going, right? I think it'll continue to pick up, though. Hey, listen, if he gets a few series out there in the exhibition game, that'll be the best sort of guide for us there to use. Yeah, Luke raised a good point. It's kind of tough to really give a true assessment when they've just kind of been going through the paces and only had really a – they had a couple of big competitive periods Pascal-wise today, but nothing – offensive and defensive lines. What do you look – even Farrell says to you, are, is this valuable? Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean um, – when you take those periods into account, like for instance, they ended with a competitive period today, right? However, it was it was primarily a blitz period too. So from 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 a defensive end standpoint, there might not be a whole um, lot of opportunity to create, right? You might be told, okay, well, if if the ha- like so for instance, if a halfback's coming off your edge, there's a there's very rare times where you're going off the edge on the outside of the tackle. You're normally going in to replace and trying to bring the tackle's eyes down so the blitzer gets a free run of the quarterback, right? So in those situations, I mean, what can you do, right? Like you have to execute it to do your job because your job helps the blitz succeed. So, um, and the, yeah, you're right, right? We Fair, Fairholme and I were talking today about just sort of what advantages are, like for instance, Skelly is always an offensive advantage, but the pass rush drill is normally a defensive line advantage. That's how it works. Yeah, for sure. All right, then that'll do it for Luke's time with us. When we come back, we're going to hear from Clint Bubba O'Neill, the pre- and post-game show host on the Tiger Cats Audio Network, and we'll wrap things up with Coach Dickinson once again talking about the cuts they made and also uh, the the uh, change in plans for practice today because of the smoke. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Red Sox report is for the Canadian Brew House. You can enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards of Bud and Bud Light. Well, some beautiful weather in the Queen City the past couple of days, and it just gets you into that baseball mindset. Just sit back, relax, and take in a Regina Red Sox game at Curry Field. It's on baseball fans' minds, and you can get single-game tickets, birthday party packs, family packs, premium admission, and general admission. Whatever your game day needs are, you can just head to RegenaRedSox.com to snag your tickets before all the good seats are gone. Some of the main dates for the Red Sox in May and June, the home opener Saturday, May 27th against the Swift Current 57s, and then right back at it at home the day after on May 28th against the Moose John Miller Express. The visiting Medicine Hat Mavericks in town on June 1st, which is a Thursday. And this team doesn't come to town every single year, so make sure you get these tickets. The Fort McMurray Giants in town June 13th and 16th. And the Brooks Bombers as well will be in Regina at the end of June. So for the full list of games and schedule, RegenaRedSox.com, the place to go. 
Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. You know, I often say we got the best producer in the business, and we do, but we do because he can also be a backup co-host if uh, if need be when I do take the odd holiday or two. And when I need him to uh, catch up with somebody to do an interview, uh, he can also do that too. And because I'm on location, uh, it's hard to uh, coordinate with uh, others in the CFL, but we wanted to get a... A feel of what's going on in Hamilton. One of the big movers and shakers in the offseason, of course, they added the marquee free agent in Bo Levi Mitchell. And so uh, our own Sean Kleisinger had a chance to catch up with Clint Bubba O'Neill, who is the uh, host of their pregame and postgame show on the Tiger Cats audio network. Here's their conversation. All right, thanks, Ballsy, host of the CFL this week and host of the Hamilton Tiger Cats pre- and post-game show on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. Clint Bubba O'Neill with me here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, how's it feel, Clint? Football's back. Well, I'll tell you, it coincided just nicely there with the ending of the Toronto Maple Leafs and that debacle. So it's good to get some football going on right now, especially in the southern Ontario area. There is some renewed interest in the uh, 416 area for the Argonauts, obviously being the defending champions. But uh, I think when you're in Ontario, and with all due respect to the Ottawa Red Blacks, who I think are coming a little bit this year, uh, I think the Tiger Cats are, are certainly the favorites in the East to you know, play in the Grey Cup that they're hosting. So, of course, there's all kinds of interest here in the Golden Horseshoe. So the Tabbies signed an American quarterback today, Taylor Powell from Eastern Michigan. It got me thinking, you know, I wonder how those QBs are looking right now, led by Bo Levi Mitchell. A lot of questions in the offseason, of course, about his shoulder and his arm. So how's he looking thus far in the first couple days? He looks dynamite. I mean, and I think... Physically, I expected him to be fine, and he had talked about that even last year. You know, in the you know in the last couple of days there with Calgary, that physically he felt fine, and you know he had really gone what six, seven, eight years really without any injuries, and then the last two were a little troublesome for him, and then led to the changeover with to Jake Mayer. But nonetheless, I think what really impresses me with Bo Levi right now is. When the introductory press conference, I asked him about, you know, what motivates him. And he said winning a championship with another team, very in the same ilk of a Tom Brady. I want to see if I can do this with someone else. And that, I think, is a motivating factor for him. I mean, and already I can see how he's fitting into the team. I can already see that he's kind of taken over that leadership role. I can see that guys are actually looking to him right now based on his you know, to the all past accomplishments. But like he said, you know, he has said several times, you know, I, I got to earn the respect of this, these guys. So physically he looks fine to me, spinning the balls, coming out hot on time, you know, working again with new guys like James Butler, the, uh, the uh, new tailback uh, that's come over from the BC Lions, a whole new assorted, uh, you know, with, yeah, Tim White, obviously is the returning, you know, one of the top receivers in the league, but there's a whole set of characters as well too. Uh, I, 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 I'm really motivated by him and his motivation um, to be better because quarterback play, with all due respect to Dane Evans, who's just a tremendous personality, a great guy, it wasn't good enough last year. Is there any type of anxiety amongst the fan base that Bo Levi Mitchell, you know, will be a flop? 
Anytime you sign a veteran quarterback, uh, you know, in the situation where he's come from, yeah, I think there is a, 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 a if not a concern, uh, a, yeah, a kind of like, well, let's let's see what happens here. Mm-hmm. But um, I, the good thing is Matthew Schiltz. I mean, he was the playoff quarterback last year. Who am I fooling here, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Schultz can run this offense, uh, the Tommy Condell offense. Um, I think ultimately it's going to be a slightly different offense than what we're used to here in Hamilton because of James Butler, because you have a quarterback that's probably not going to be pushing the ball downfield as much as we've seen here in Hamilton over the years, more of a controlled ball control, uh, hitting, hitting you know your shorter receivers and uh, throwing balls out of the backfield. Um, but yeah, is there a concern about Bo? I, I mean, I, I mean, I think any time there was, we've had concerns about performances of Dane Evans. We've had injuries with Jeremiah Masoli. So, is there a slight concern? I think there is a slight concern, but I think it is all the all systems go, and I think we're expecting we're expecting Bo Levi to be the guy here. And former rider Duke Williams, he's now a Tiger Cat. I saw Coach Steinauer. He said uh, Duke had a procedure done in the off season. So, what are you thinking about as a timetable for Duke Williams' return? It, it kind of, I think it's going to be kind of up to him. I think it's going to be one of those pain tolerance things. Let me tell you what I did. The very first day of training camp, the assembled media generally sits in the, you know, uh, it's at McMaster at uh, Tim, uh, not Tim Hortons Field, but. Um, at the, at the football field at McMaster. Ron Joyce? Uh, Ron Joyce Stadium. Thank you. Got it out of there for me. And and, and I kind of went in a different direction, and I kind of was going to, to some other sides of the field and mm-hmm. watching some guys like Kwaku Botang, who's coming off an Achilles, Achilles injury, doing some side work by himself. And, 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 and Duke was doing that kind of thing, too, doing some side work and some strength training. He looks great. <laughs> um, you've seen him. You know, at, at close range. For me to see him at close range, and I've seen, you know, a, a lot of players for a lot of years here in Hamilton, I cannot ever remember a wide receiver with a body like his and the definition that he has. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of people will point to the fact that, you know what, there's an attitude issue that we all, you know, that, that, that's kind of carried with him. I see him already commiserating and hanging out and laughing and high-fiving teammates. I think this is going to be a great, great situation on the outside for Bo Levi to have a guy that he can throw the ball up to and a guy like that that can go up and get it. He looks very, very good. What's the most competitive position group at training camp, do you think, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? I'll tell you where I think the biggest battle may be in the secondary we already know that Tunde Adelike and Stavros Kapitonos will be guys that will be more so in the middle and the halfback positions. But uh, Richard Leonard, to me, is the only guy with real CFL experience on the corners. So there's going to be, I, I think, a good look. And they brought in, they signed a lot of DBs to work that corner position. And a bunch of guys that I, I've never heard of are guys that are coming straight out of college. So I think there is lots of competition there. But I'll be honest with you. The way they have built this defense for Mark Washington with the linebacking crew and this front line, which I think is going to be, I mean, I think it's going to challenge Winnipeg, maybe even be better than Winnipeg, maybe even what we've seen in Saskatchewan a couple of years ago. They're going to be putting lots of pressure on the quarterback. So the DB position might be a little easier than it's been in past when they could not get any pressure. I, I have to go back and, and check this stuff, and I'm going off the top of my head. I don't think the Tiger Cats had a sack for like the first three or four games of the season last year. And that was a problem. 
And as you well know, if you don't get pressure on the quarterback, especially with the big field in the CFL, that's just trouble for the DBs. I don't care how good you are. But that's going to be a completely inverted situation this year because so much is coming from from the top end, from that front four. Uh, and then, again, guys like Edwards and Simone uh, that, that could put pressure on the quarterback. Jameer Nelson as well, too. Speaking of pressure on the quarterback, did the Thai Cats just bring in Ja'Gar Davis to guarantee their spot in the Grey Cup? Because <laughs> that's all that this guy does is playing Grey Cup games. So what does that mean for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, having him back? It's hard to believe I just ran through guys in that defensive defensive front position, and I almost forgot about him because he was a late arrival to camp, showed up yesterday. Oh my goodness! Again, we talk about the body beautiful for a veteran court or for a veteran player, veteran defensive end. The guy's probably lost about about twenty pounds. Oh wow! Trim problem. He's, I mean, you're and you're right. I mean, his pedigree with the Grey Cup seemingly following him and him not following the Grey Cup is absolutely crazy. Uh, this guy is a winner, and I, I, I think what I like about Jagarrett, at least in his time in Hamilton, and we didn't even see it last year because there was some talk in the early season like, oh, we spent too much money on him. But as the season progresses, he gets better. And I, it's one of those guys that, you know, and you know, the CFL, we start now, and the Great Cup's not till what, November? Mm-hmm. So it's what you're doing, and we always say, about the, you know, to the second half of the season and Labor Day, it seems to click for him around Labor Day where he becomes a real force. And what I like about Jagarrett is a guy that he's a good team guy. He's great at the run, great at the pass, just that good all-around defensive end. And and I think in that rotation with so many guys, Casey Sales, what an acquisition from, from Winnipeg, a guy that we've always had smaller guys in the middle on the defensive line here in Hamilton. He comes with a little bit height. He'll be batting down passes. And, again, that good push in the front in the defensive line where quarterbacks just don't like that pressure up the gut. Uh, he's going to add, again, with, with Laurent and, uh, and and Dylan Wynn. I mean, again, I, as I said earlier, I think the, the strength of the Ticats defense is going to be on that D-line. And, and Ja'Gara Davis is one of the guys that's going to be expected to perform. Can't wait to play some football. Clint Bubba O'Neill of the Hamilton Tiger Cats Audio Network. Hey, Bubba, uh, the Riders don't play in Hamilton this year in the regular season, but uh, maybe in the Grey Cup, huh? Maybe in the Grey Cup, a little Riders Tie Cats at Tim Hortons Field. What do you think? Well, partner, like, I mean, I mean, I don't want to hijack the show, but doesn't that make you angry? Oh, it does. That we don't get to see each other at least once, you know, play in each other's barn once. I just don't like that. Last year, um, you had a great story like Nathan Rourke, right? Mm-hmm. Who is from uh, from Oakville? I mean, I know yeah, everyone's there's Victoria and then there's Oakville. Oakville's about uh, for people that aren't familiar, are about 15 kilometers away from Hamilton. And yeah. the fact that we didn't get to see Nathan Rourke perform, and him for him to have a homecoming, I, I just don't like this. I know we got nine teams, but there's got to be a better way to do this schedule. Yeah, there's no doubt. Clint Bubba O'Neill of the Hamilton Tiger Cats Audio Network. Yeah, thanks to Sean Kleisinger and uh, Clint has it right. We've said it before. There is a better way. Everybody plays each other twice. It's pretty simple. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out, but apparently it does. We'll be back to wrap things up with our comments from Coach Craig Dickinson here on the Sports Cage live from the Stonebridge Canadian Brewhouse in Saskatoon on 620 CKRM.